Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is going on, everybody? Hope you are having a good week so far. So this week on the podcast is a special one. Um... It's currently Saturday night in the UK when I'm recording this. And I decided to get Justin Jay on the podcast. Justin, we've kind of gone through our careers together, really starting off at Dirty Bird. Um, He started his record label, Fantastic Voyage. I started mine. We kind of both went our different ways from Dirty Bird. and, And here we are having this conversation now. And... It was a really good conversation, two and a half hours of me talking to Justin about his process and him talking to me about my process. It was it was a very two-way conversation. It was a beautiful conversation. I absolutely loved it. Um, he's just also brought out a new record called Rumours, um, and it's, a, it's an amazing record, very eclectic, and it's just amazing. So listen to the podcast and uh, then go check it out. Um, before we start, uh, if you haven't subscribed, hit subscribe. I'd absolutely love it if you could. Um, and yeah, without further ado, Justin J. Justin J. And we're live, baby. How's it going? Well, Clark, dude, I am stoked to be here, man. Thank ah, you for having thank me you on. For, thank you for coming on, man. It's been a very long time. I'm trying to think the last time I actually saw you. And I'm actually, I'm, th- I'm thinking it was Dirty Bird Camp Out. Um, you know, that could have been, I also, I, I mean, I think the last time we kicked it properly was when I was in Detroit and we went oh, out yeah. to ramen together. Yeah, do you remember yeah. that? I do remember that. Where, where, where were you playing? Grasshopper. I played at the, at the Grasshopper yeah. and I was like, well, yo, come hop on and play some tunes. <laughs> and you, we, we went back to back for a little bit. Was Josh was Butler fun. there as well? Or was it just you know. and I? I think it was just you and me. Um, Yeah. <laughs> And then it, it was tight out. though. Yeah, I dude, I loved that you were down for the uh, the impromptu cameo. It's Always. Great. Well, <laughs> you know how it is. Like it's easy being a DJ nowadays. You just carry around a USB stick, and yeah. my my earplugs are always in my USB stick, or my USB stick's always in my earplugs pouch. So just got to roll with it, right? <laughs> yes, dude. Yes, exactly. That is one hundred percent the uh, <laughs> the move. Um, and and I relate like. Being in LA when things were normal, yeah. um, you know, I pretty much like because I, I loved going out for music stuff, and you know, even though I'm not DJing and just going yeah. for fun and hearing the good music or seeing friends play, and uh, just all the nights where I'd <laughs> where I'd be like, you know, I do have my yeah. USB. You <laughs> <laughs> that annoying um, DJ that always turns up and wants to go back to back with everyone. It's like I do want to go back to back, but I'm so bashful about being pushy. Like I, and so I'm just. There are times where I'll be like in this mode of like existential conflict between this desire to want to be like, 
yo dude i'm down to play a track versus me being like wanting to be polite and not be overbearing oh my god i got the funniest story about holy ship with that i can't mention any names because i don't want to throw them under the bus but i was talking to all like all i say is that they're a duo they were on holy ship i was i was talking to yeah (laughs) i was talking to one of them and they were like Oh, it sucks that no one's doing back-to-backs anymore. Because, like, Holy Ship was known initially that everyone would just jump on everyone's sets and it would just be a big party. And I was like, yeah, I know. No, it's like, feels like everyone's just, like, not doing it. Anyway, they jumped on the set, the decks. And then I was like, mate, want me to play a tune? And he was like, nah, dude, it's our uh, it's our first first set on the ship. I'd, uh, we've, we've got a set planned out. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you're the reason why. <laughs> You're the reason why we're not doing back-to-backs. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Dude, respect for being able to to ask. See, like, I'm like, you know, I'm like the, you, the coach got, you got to tap me in. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the confidence to, to like, to, to ask. I guess, like, there might be some exceptions, and they just normally don't go well. Like, I, maybe have- <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would never ask. I would have never have asked him or the person if um if we hadn't had that conversation beforehand dude like at that point come on um but yeah dude it's it is i don't know man there's something really it is actually a great feeling when someone else is djing like i'm, I'm thinking about maybe uh like I feel like this would happen at like space like yeah. dirty bird like at you know 1 p.m. or like yeah. <laughs> 10 a.m. <laughs> and you know, just like hanging in there, being like, "Please tap me in, coach. <laughs> just one track, come on." <laughs> and then when you know, and then this is how this is like the the image I have in my head would be like he's DJing, he's just <laughs> just points at you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, dude, dreams do come true. I'm not gonna let you down. Play the track you've been dreaming of, and then everyone hates it. <laughs> what's, what's, what's been your favorite back-to-back set? Uh, okay, I actually have one that just came to mind. Um, Dirty Bird Campout, the 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 most recent one, Renegade set yeah. with two of my close friends um, who are in my band, homies yeah. from high school. Um, these guys, Danny Goliger and Sam Von Horn. And it was a very defining set. It was like this renegade set that it was like the last performance of the weekend yeah. type of thing. Like, you know, there was like one renegade stage still trying to get after it. Um, and we just played the craziest set I'd ever played. And it, 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 it really kind of changed the way I thought about DJing, which is crazy. <laughs> really? Like How so? Well, it took it to, you know, I, I think like even at Dirty Bird Campout, I, I started like exploring this intersection of like playing cheesy pop music and like really weird <laughs> experimental shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I remember like that weekend at, at Campout, I played like, I, I went, I was playing like a lot of 160 BPM Jew yeah. and like crazy shit. And also I, I played like Spice Girls <laughs> um, <laughs> in the same performance. Um but there was, when you do stuff like that, it's hit or miss. And I think as a DJ, uh, I don't know, there's times where you can do that and it fe- it can feel like 
you're out of the flow and mm. you're kind of grasping for straws and just playing on shuffle. Um, but there was something about what happened that evening that felt really amazing. And, and yeah, like Sam, my homie, is really into Aphex Twin. And so yeah. he was playing like a lot of like, you know, you know, drum and bass speed, IDM, yeah. you know, just insane stuff. And then Danny Goliger would play like Outcast. <laughs> and then like, and and Danny's also done with the really crazy hip shit too. So it's just like, it, it, it I think it was a pretty beautiful moment because it was like this culmination of a lot of stuff that I was interested in. And then also doing it with, you know, Sam was the dude I would DJ back to back with in high school. He was like the cool popular guy <laughs> who secretly liked techno. Yeah. <laughs> and I was the <laughs> I was the guy who uh <laughs> was not super cool but I had <laughs> but I had decks. <laughs> so he was down to DJ with me, yeah. but we 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 had like uh good we had like uh what's the word? We had similar tastes. Uh so and then Danny and Sam were, were close friends in high school and they DJed together as well. So like, you know, it was like a great like full circle moment um, at Dirty Bird Camp Out, which is like always a defining weekend. Um, yeah, man. How about you? Favorite B2B? It's really hard because I actually don't like doing back to backs. I'm... <laughs> it's, it's really not my thing. Um but like, I don't. I, be but, honest. Yeah, be no. Honest. I think. I think for me, it's like, it's not. It. I like a DJ set to really flow, and to like, I want to give the crowd the best time ever, and I don't always think back to backs are because I always think it's the DJs. And I don't think it's necessarily purposely done, but I think the DJs are kind of fighting against each other where it's like, oh, you play this record, then I've got in my head what I'm going to play next, but then you play something else, then I've got to find something else that works with that. And I love that to a certain extent, but I feel that sometimes it's just, or a lot of the time, it's just very, very hard to kind of get a very good setup. It's always fun. When you're playing with somebody, it's always so much fun. Um yeah. But my favorite back-to-back set, funny enough, was at Dirty Bird Camp Out. It was me and Kill Frenzy. And we played. Oh, that's awesome. It was just kind of like, it was just like per- perfect. It was like no, Kill did like, uh, he like made an, an intro track. It was just like named all of the like Dirty Bird guys with no panties on. And it was just <laughs> yes. like... It was just the most perfect start to the set. And we went in. We were playing, like, hard. Um, mm-hmm. And the crowd were just in it, and they were just ready for it. And that's the thing that I find, that back-to-backs, a lot of the time the crowd don't know what to expect. And the DJs don't know what to expect. Um, when they come off well, it's, like, the best feeling because it's you and your mate doing it. But when they don't, it's, like, the worst feeling. Yeah. You know, and that's interesting because that in the context of like a proper performance, you know, yeah. where it's like big stage expectations that can be, that can be tough, you know, in terms of um, really being on the same page with the person you're playing with. And yeah, like for those types of moments to come through, that's pretty epic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like 
And I hear you in terms of that flow. You know, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think context is so crucial. Like, totally. the bigger the stage, I feel like the less ADD it feels like you can be. Yeah. It feels like you need to be more intentional if you're yeah, going to yeah. switch around different corners of music. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's interesting because I haven't done that many, like, back-to-backs in those types of contexts because yeah. we don't get that many opportunities. Yeah. Um, and I, But I have had a couple great ones. I, like, here, like, I think... I think my, I think the keys to like a good back to back. Well, I don't know, man. It, it's weird. Like, I had a really interesting one that I thought the person was gonna hate it, and <laughs> the person actually didn't mind it. What was this? Um, Sibathon. Okay. We played back to back at a festival in Louisiana, in New Orleans. It's like the big rave festival. Yeah. I forget what it's called, but is that that Ubi Dooby one? No, that's in Texas, I think. That's but the it's, worst it's, it's like that. Ever. It's got like a similar sort of name. I, I just can't even remember right yeah. now. But dude, the uh, he, this is what was so funny. This is like right as I was about to release my first like singer songwriter album, uh, and okay. so I bought like my like microphone and like my like <laughs> Daft Punk style vocal effects, <laughs> and you know. Shiba starts out playing like, you know, house bangers. Yeah. Crowd is loving it. I play a couple. And then I ask him, it's, I, I was like, hey, dude, can I hop on the mic and start singing? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it went from, we played probably like, you know, 30, 40 minutes of him playing a banger and yeah. then me playing like a song where I'm singing and it's kind of chill. <laughs> and I love I was that. Like, you know, I was like, oh my God. And you know, dude, Shiba's on like, he is a reserved person, yeah. especially you know if he's meeting someone new. And so I was like, he hates this. <laughs> he's never gonna talk to me again. Um, but I think he enjoyed it for some reason. Like I, I was so surprised. I think um, I think a lot of people think with with Sheba like that he's kind of like just into making bangers and playing bangers and stuff like that. And I think realistically he's this insane musician that no one really knows how good he actually is like mm-hmm. i was talking to him the other day and he all he's is has done the whole lockdown was play the piano and play the trumpet like he's he plays yeah he plays so the trumpet crazy. yeah and uh there's like a trumpet shop near in bristol like about 40 minutes away from me and i I don't know how it came up, but he was like, dude, this is in Bristol. I was like, yeah, I know. I like go past it all the time. He's like, dude, this is like the best trumpet shop in the world. And I'm like, this is fucking wild. Like (laughs) I didn't know. (laughs) But then you, and then you go back. I know he doesn't like talking about it and probably he's going to kill me, but he used to be one of the biggest hip hop DJs in France, or he was the biggest hip hop DJ in France. Crazy. So, you pierced the you, so you pierced the shell of Shiba-san <laughs> more so than I have. But there was like a moment where it's like because he's very quiet. Yeah. At least like for for someone who yeah like me, I guess. And uh, you know, get that moment where he's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like me being like, dude, that was the best thing ever. Like he loved the. It. Uh, yeah. the the communication is it's hilarious um yeah because his his english 
wasn't the best before he moved to America full time. His English wasn't the best as well. So yeah. the communication is was always like like one word answers and like facial expressions expressions. Yeah, but it's like every everything you know every little yeah. gesture is a win. Of kindness is a win, <laughs> dude. Um, here's a question for you. Hit me with it. I, I have I have an I have an answer for this that came to mind. Um, what was the biggest like high stakes DJ set that you gave the least amount of fucks? <laughs> <laughs> like and just sort of like this could be a disaster, but I don't even fucking care. Um, Does I th- anything come to mind? I think there's there's been a few, but one of Coachella when I did the do lab. No way! And it wasn't it wasn't because I didn't care. It was when me and MK did back to back at do lab and. I played Doolab the year before and was like literally shit in my pants walking on stage because it was my first time playing Doolab. I didn't know what to expect, like didn't have a clue Um, and was like, it was amazing. It was like such a great feeling. So going on to the stage a second time with MK, first of all, the funniest thing is because I'm short and he's so tall. Well, I'm so short and he's so tall. He's so tall. We had to get like a step so that I could stand on the step and then he, but the the step wouldn't cover his side of the decks. And then we, and then we look like the same height, which was wild because I've never been, I've never been that tall in my life. Um, And we like, we're so, we're so different on music stars, but we're really good mates. So we were just like, we tried to plan something. And I was at his house like a couple of days before and we're like, we should plan something because this is going to go horribly wrong. And then realistically, we we planned a set and then didn't stick to it at all and just like just rolled with it. And it was all over the place because, of course, it's going to be it's MK and Will Clark. Like those sounds realistically don't go together, Um, but it worked. And that that was one of them where I'm just like. We're just going to have fun. Let's just fucking have the best time. Dude, that is the key. That is inescapably the key, dude. What about you? And it's funny. Be- um, it's, funny be- it's funny, by the way, that you mentioned it was a back-to-back. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, <laughs> yeah, the one that came to my mind was also back-to-back, given that conversation. Um, and it's, it's weird. Pretty crazy, interesting little weekend I had. Um, this is the fall of 20... 19 um so i guess yeah it's kind of like the last like full crazy tour yeah before lockdown um i did i had this weekend with j flip and it was pretty interesting because yeah i'd been i'd i had actually just i had had the show that i'd given the least amount of fucks ever in my life where I played in Boston and I, it was exactly what, I, this is the same stretch of Dirty Bird as like Dirty Bird Camp out the story of like yeah. playing the worst, craziest pop music and yeah. IDM and experimental stuff. And I got the most backlash I've ever gotten at a show playing solo in Boston. Um, I played Who Let the Dogs Out, the original version. <laughs> People hated it. Um, I played Shipping Off to Boston. I've, I don't I know if you know that song. I don't know that song. It's, Okay, so it's when I was in college, I, this is so embarrassing. I was in a fraternity and I was like the worst fit because I don't 
drink and I'm kind of yeah. awkward at parties. <laughs> but what the frat bros would do is they would play this song and they would mosh. Let me just, can I cue it up real quick and yeah, play it over uh, Spotify, shipping off to Boston? Because I think we want, who's it by? We need to call Live audience. Shipping off to, it's by like the debt ship. Here we go. I'm shipping up to, up to Boston. See, I don't even know the name of the song. Okay. Did you just pick this Um, track because it just had the word Boston in? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Can you enable screen sharing? Oh, (laughs) yeah. I'll be able to share my audio. Uh, How do I do that? um, uh, Next to where it says screen sharing on your end, there's an arrow. Oh, Oh, you know what? Don't mean to just put it up. Here. Yo, got it. Boom. So this is the song. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know this. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And That's been in loads of films. Boston, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, dude, I played that. <laughs> and, yeah, what's so in college, all the frat bros, when there would be like, no, not a party, it'd be just guys, everyone would get really drunk and play that song and have a mosh pit. <laughs> And it's like, I'm not, it's not like three guys to do this. It'd be like 50, 60 dudes. And it would be, they would be having more fun than when there was an actual party. <laughs> it was like their favorite thing to do. Um, I'm, did you I get involved? Have, did you get involved? No, dude, I am like, so I'm like a delicate, dainty <laughs> musician, you know, like I would have, you know, like if you're a tough guy, like you have like a good athletic build. Uh, you're in, I know you you played like sports when you're younger. Like you could probably hang me. I would get like bumps and go like flying into a wand, but be out of, out of the season after the season, you know? Um, so anyways, Boston so wasn't was the, loving it, dude. I got like all these messages. Cause I think Boston people, they're very honest, which I think is a great quality. And they don't put up with shit. Like they're kind of oh, dude, Coast, like-, like, fuck you. And so I got a lot of hate. That was the most, hate mail i ever got like messages comments. really like a year later i would like do a post on social media and someone from boston be like like don't ever come <laughs> back to boston <laughs> like um but it, it's you know but i think that's yeah i don't know i just like went in it, and i actually had a lot of fun that night and it was so crazy because in my head it was one of those sets where i was like dude i think i kind of killed it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know so yeah but was I, it like was it like five people saying they didn't have fun or was it like a lot of people saying they didn't have fun it was like a lot of people <laughs> but 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 probably five who messaged me yeah, so yeah. like but that feels like a lot yeah. when you're on instagram like yeah. i don't know i'm sensitive to haters yeah. <laughs> please don't <laughs> please be nice to people on the internet <laughs> i agree but, um, i agree man but i uh I don't know. Anyways, the the story is that that was me kind of like just being like no fucks. But having that experience, I think like the following weekend, it's kind of like it's it it was very reaffirming to just like explore the outer limits of my comfort zone as a DJ being like, okay, well, what if I truly gave no fucks and was as authentic as humanly possible to yeah. my own detriment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I think when you when you get that backlash, that's the price you pay. Yeah. And doing that, I was like, you know what? I'm still here, baby. <laughs> and yeah. there were people who who enjoyed that night. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And so I'm like, you know what? Well, what's the point of all this stuff? Like, if there's yeah. five people who, in, who message me on Instagram who hate it, that's fine. But there's five people or one person yeah. who was like, dude, you spoke to my soul yeah. <laughs> playing Who Let the Dogs Out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> then, you know, I, like, I'd rather play for that one person than for the five, you know, yeah, like six yeah. people. Well, <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, so, it's it's tough because I love the fact that you just doubled down and just were like, "Fuck it." I I I haven't ever done that, but I don't. I I guess I don't have who let the dogs out on my USB stick, and I actually love the fact that you put who let the dogs out on your USB stick. So I think first of all, how the hell did you? When where were you when you were like? I need to put who let the dogs out on your USB stick. On my yeah, I mean, USB. It's, it's embarrassing because I went years without it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing about DJing. Like it, it, you know, it's all based on the music you're kind of listening to yeah. in the moment and stuff. Cause yeah, I don't know. I think it, in the years where I haven't been, uh, digging in more like eclectic directions then this stuff really isn't that much of an issue but with the who let the dogs that thing i mean it goes back to my homies again like i think we just i don't know who started it but we just all really began embodying this idea of like (laughs) pushing the envelope in both directions both in terms of cheesy pop stuff and experimental stuff um and, you know, I mean, I think I was interested in doing this stuff a little bit when when I started, like, you know, Fantastic Voyage. Yeah. But it just got turned, it just, the, the like, intensity just yeah, has gotten yeah. turned up and up to the point of no return. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Have you ever had, like, pushback from a promoter on, like, what you're playing? Oh yeah, yeah, dude. I had a very funny experience in the UK um, where I played. I got it wasn't like a very legit show. It was like a small bottle service club. Yeah, like you know, fifty people in the room, like mm. very exclusive. The promoter wasn't allowed into the venue because he wasn't wearing the right shoes, kind of thing. Wow, where was it? Um, it was on the West End, oh, so okay. it's like yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like not a cool club. Yeah. It was like secret yeah. <laughs> kind of show. Um, and I started playing. It was so funny because they wanted to, they wanted to play. They wanted me to play like melodic house and techno. Yeah. Um, and I started playing like 140 BPM trap <laughs> and techno because like because like you know old Adam Bayer and yeah. new you know D Dan and yeah. like Adone and you know there's like all this amazing old techno and new yeah, techno yeah, that's yeah. like in the 140s 150s which is perfect because a lot of trap music is at that BPM. Yeah. So why wouldn't I play that? <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the, it was very funny because the mutter kept on saying 126 as like the BPM that I must play at. And it just kept on going up. And they kept on threatening me to, they kept on threatening to kick me off the decks. And the crowd was just going crazy. Like, <laughs> girls were, were lo- handing were me they drinks, and it? I would just hand them to the promoter. I'd be like, "Dude, they're they're into it." <laughs> um, and but what ended up happening was like one of my one of my really good friends who I was staying with in London, like 
they kept on <laughs> they kept on bullying my friend. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, I have to I have this. Yeah, like I got, I think I probably got kicked off maybe like 15 minutes early. Oh, no, that's okay. But yeah, so it's like, I like to think that I just, you know, seated the the music to the next DJ early as a, yeah. <laughs> you know, to the band. I had a, I had a promoter once I was playing, um, playing a show. I'm not going to mention the city. Um, and I was playing an all, all night, all night party, all night long. And I was playing, I like my, when I'm playing all night long, I usually play like burial and kind of like really like experimental stuff at the beginning before anyone's there and maybe like a few people turn up. And then I start kind of playing like some liquid drum and bass. And then once that's over, I kind of go back into like and kind of build the night up. Generally, people have turned up then and like the night's going. But I was playing drum and bass at this party and my manager came up to me and was like, the owner of the club is like mad that you're playing drum and bass. And I'm like, why? And he's like, well, he's got some bottle service customers. Like we'd sold the club night out already. It was sold out. He's got some bottle service people that came in and don't like drum and bass. And I was like, fuck it. I'm playing more drum and bass. Then this is every reason why to play drum and bass. Cause I do not want, somebody to control what i'm playing like fuck you you book me yes can i guess the club and city in the chat without telling anyone uh let me uh yeah go for it tell me if i'm right or wrong no but you're very close (laughs) (laughs) classic yeah the first one i played drum and bass and they loved it Oh really? That's yeah. fucking dumb. I loved it. No kidding. Huh, you know, it just depends who buys the the table, I guess. Yeah. Um it that was, is so funny. It, it was it was that uh that guy. Uh <laughs> you know who, Dude, you know I know who you're about. talking about. <laughs> That's funny. Sorry, everybody. Classic. Um Classic. But I, I I like it. I, I think I think there's there has to be a level of the DJ actually pushing Giving the crowd what they want, but also giving them what they want, but didn't know they wanted. Yeah, that's that's beautifully put. You know, I, I mean, I think that's my favorite part of DJing. You can literally trick people yeah. to enjoy music that they wouldn't have enjoyed otherwise. Mm-hmm. Which is where I I completely started because, yeah, when I was in high school, I was into electronic music, yeah. and no one, you know, generally. <laughs> in LA at that time was into it. Everyone wanted hip hop. Um, I had, I also had this extra level of kind of challenge being a high school DJ because my high school was not a big like party school. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone smoked weed and was like, would go to a party and just like sit on the couch (laughs) (laughs) or like stand around like, um, and so I had to get these like awkward private school, (laughs) like stoner kids <laughs> comfortable to dance um and i can only imagine especially in america i can only imagine this yeah in la you know so yeah. like people are like too cool to dance Super cool you know kids. type of thing yeah, yeah, yeah um and the you know i think i i just my like introduction to like djing in front of people outside of my bedroom was like this weird journey because what I, I figured out this sort of like flow kind of like you described from burial to drum and bass as your kind of like yeah. trajectory for yourself for, for this context, 
I would begin with my friend Sam <clears throat> playing chill hip hop stuff. Like that's, you know, we were into <clears throat> a lot of the funky, like Tribe Called Quest, old Biggie stuff, a lot of the 90s hip hop shit, like De La Soul. Um, but then also like People Under the Stairs, yeah. Jay Dilla, because all that stuff is very funky. Yeah. But it's also slow and relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it's a very easy segue into like funk yeah, and disco, especially because like for funk, it, you know, all this, it's, that's where all the beats are being sampled from, sample, like all the yeah, drum yeah. grooves. Yeah. And so it, but like proper funk music, uh, like across the board will like help bring the energy up. And then you're into disco cause you're just yeah. working those BPMs like straight up. And then from disco, you can sneak in the house music and dude, you know, it's once you're there, it's like you're home free. Um, and, and I think those are some of the most satisfying moments I ever had with just being up against, like against all odds, yeah. getting people to dance, period. And then dance to like underground dance music. Man, it's like the best feeling. Yeah. It, <laughs> it is. is the best feeling. It is. And I think that's the thing is like, it's a challenge, isn't it? It's like seeing a crowd. And you're like, this is such hard work. And you're like, but you just keep going and keep going and keep going. And then eventually there's one record that just cracks them. And you're like, okay, I've got them. I've got them. Now they're mine. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's, that is an amazing feeling. Um, yeah, it, it's weird. You know, I think what I just described, trying to experience that in like an hour set at a festival is like nearly impossible. You know, it's like. Do you like, even try? I don't know, man. I haven't played a festival in a long time, but I, the last festival set I did was one of my favorites. Um, I did cross. It was like the last cross show is great. possible. Cross is great. Dude. Yeah. It was like, I played Sunday night last mm. set on the small stage and it was, you know, it's like, that was like the last show yeah. before COVID. <laughs> um, it's a pretty good show. Like it's dude, insane, man. And, um, yeah, I feel like I got to, I think that was, that was like another culminating experience. It was like a year after the Boston debacle. Yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of like the ultimate arrival point of like, I called the set. Like I, uh, you know, you know how like sometimes someone will, you'll get like a review yeah. of your set in like a blog or something. Mm-hmm. So someone like said something nice about me. <laughs> But I, I took a screenshot of the headline, which was like, Justin did okay. <laughs> Justin did a nice <laughs> set. Um, <laughs> Justin did not. <laughs> Justin played <laughs> Who Let the Dogs Out in Boston. <laughs> right. he, he avoided disaster. No, but I like, I like took a screenshot of the headline and then typed out on my on Instagram, like my own description of my performance, yeah. calling it like Bar Mitzvah Bergein <laughs> because I was juxtaposing like a lot of, uh, you know, cheesy pop music with like a lot of, you know, like gnarly techno stuff. Yeah. And um, it was just, it, it just, it went really well. But um, yo, it's funny. We went on this long tangent, but you know how you were talking about your back to back with MK is one where yeah. you really gave no fucks. Yeah. The, the answer that I have that I think is like my favorite was a B2B where, um, so J Flip, he was going through this interesting time where he and I hope I hope it's okay that I mentioned this, but I think it's a really cool story and yeah. pretty inspiring one. Where she she was having a little bit of a disconnection between mm-hmm. 
the music she thought she was supposed to play yeah. and the music that she wanted to play. Yeah. And she mentioned that she was having some shows that she wasn't that fulfilled with because she was caught up in that, yeah. uh, in that, you know, disconnection, I guess, totally. you know? And, and so, you know, off the heels of like the Boston show, uh, Jess and I had a show together and we, we ended up going back to back and I was like, yo, dude, like, let's play whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, any BPM. And we got to like, you know, 140, 150. I was like, yeah, Jess, like, see, I know you, you know, got you, it in you. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, and, and she was like, dude, that was so much fun. And yeah. she was like, I'm finally, I was like, I got to play some of the songs I really wanted. The next night we played, or it was the next day, we had, we played together on a big festival in Atlanta. And like, it was like a proper rave. Yeah. Like EDM, you know, it was in a race car track speedway okay. type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Hot as shit. Um, yeah. And I was like, I was like, yo, dude, do you want to combine sets and do the same thing? And she said, yes. And we played full on weird for like a huge crowd. And like, it, it's one of those things where like when the crowd is so big for me, I can't tell if people yeah. like it or not because yeah. I don't have good vision. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know how well it went or how well it didn't go, but, I think it went pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know. It's just really, it was a really exhilarating feeling to have this sort of mindset of not giving a fuck and to push another yeah. DJ who's sick yeah. to do the same and to, for it to then be like, oh my God, you know, the whole time Jess is playing these songs. I'm like, what is this? What is, what is this? Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I think a lot of people in underground house music over the past couple of years have had similar sorts of uh, issues emotionally with how to navigate the ecosystem because it's gotten so much bigger and it's like hardly, I mean, it's, it's just a, you know, it's just grown a lot, which is super positive. But I yeah. think whenever things get bigger in music, the way that you respond to expectations, I think um, can be tricky, you know, um, and I, I, I think here, this is my belief. I think most of it can be in your head, oh, 100%. more so than than in reality. And yeah. I think, uh, dude, for me, when I compromise myself, bad things start happening. I start getting anxiety. I start not having fun. Yeah. I start like that. Then my quality goes down. Yeah. Then I get more anxiety. Then I have less fun. Then the quality goes down even more Then I don't want to do it. Yeah. Then I start canceling tours and then I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like, unplug. and that, yeah. that's actually happened to me. And on the flip side, I feel like when you take those steps of like courageousness to like yeah. be yourself, even when you think it might be a disaster, mm. that is where for me, I will have way more fun. Yeah, yeah. When I'm having more fun, the quality might be better, but yeah. also I don't care what the outcome is as much yeah. because I'm just having, having fun, fun. And then that is like a positive upward feedback cycle. So that's, that's my experience. And I definitely am someone who pushes this, these principles to an extreme. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But fuck it, <laughs> why not? <laughs> well, I think this. I think it's amazing because it, it's kind of shown in your artist kind of journey as what you, who you are as a person, but also like what you put out. When I first kind of heard you, it was I think it was a Rain Dance EP on on Dirty Bird, um, 
with Hit It. Like that record was just unbelievable, man. And where you've gone from being part of like the Dirty Bird crew and then kind of doing your own imprint and and really kind of just making music that you love, that you want to be part of it. And I I can really feel that, that you're releasing music that, I, I and I don't want to speak for your for yourself. Tell me if this is this is how it is, but this is how it feels for me as like a consumer of your music. Is that beforehand it was like you wanted people to enjoy it, and it meant the world. It like it meant everything that people enjoyed your music. Now it feels like you're just releasing music that you absolutely love releasing yourself. You know, I'd say the I would say like. My journey, I, I would say, like, first of all, thank you for the kind words, no dude. That fires me up. Um, also, before I start rambling, dude, I, it's so crazy, dude. I, the first song of yours that I ever heard was in 2013. And it was the song on a, there's a small record label called No Brainer. Yeah. And classic. And we, I, dude, I checked this last night because I wanted to, like, I, I hadn't heard the song in a very long time, but I remember liking it back then. And what song was it? It's called Move. Um, hold on. I'm playing up. I got it. Okay, so the song is called Move Like That. I can't even remember that record. Dude, here. I, and, and here's the funniest thing. Dude, check this out. Because I, I feel like in the back of my head, I, I, I knew this. but Oh, dude, I remember that. Dude, uh, where are you? Move Like That? Dude, we're on the same compilation. Oh, shit. Back it's, in 2013. That's crazy. And, Wood, <laughs> and Wood Holly Is Kill Frenzy on there as well? Scroll down. Probably. Probably. Oh no, it's Kill Light. But he, Kill Frenzy, I think, had released some music on this label. Dude, Ian Pooley's there. Yeah. Purple Disco Machine. Damn. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, pretty, pretty wild. But, um, so, dude, for me, um, I was always, I, I don't know, man. I think I've always, I had the experience, my first year of making music mm. professionally yeah, yeah. was when I kind of learned these principles. Yeah. Um, because I got a song signed to Dirty Bird yeah. when I was 18 yeah. and just starting college. And it was the biggest dream come true. Yeah. I was like, it was like, holy shit, this is 2011. Yeah. Coming up on 10 years. <laughs> That's mad. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is insane. This is the coolest thing of all time. Uh, I now had Claude Monstrup's email. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I started sending him a demo a week. Yeah. And when I began... See, I was never focused on the crowd. I was yeah. always just like focused on being a nerd. I was like, I love this music. I want to learn how to make house music. I want to yeah. learn how to make this, that, etc. And so, yeah, you know, I think when I got, when I had Claude Von Stroke's email, I just started spamming him with music every week. And it was like a descent into chaos because he hated everything. <laughs> and... You know, I think it was like I went on this journey of like, it took me eight months to get yeah. a second song signed to Dirty Bird. Mm -hmm. And what had happened, a couple things. One, it was a good time of me like getting more consistent at like production, yeah. mixing in particular, I think was one of the biggest things. And um, But a couple big things that I learned were I was trying to make music that I thought would be good for Dirty Bird. Yes, yeah. Okay? Which, you know, is kind of what you were speaking to a little bit, perhaps, but um, it wasn't like Dirty Bird wasn't popular. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like no one knew about Dirty Bird yeah. in America. Like, 
in college. Yeah. Like all of my college friends are like, this is boring. Where's yeah, the yeah. drop? <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was very much like, yeah, no one likes this, but my favorite DJ. So that's, yeah. it's like, there was no, there's no, nothing about fans and stuff. It was way too actually underground. Um, 2011 um, in the US. Uh, yeah, that but, was when they were big in Europe. Yeah, yeah, it what they were very cool in Europe. Yeah. Very cool in Europe. Um Julio Bashmore and stuff. Yeah. But dude, the um here were the things. It was like I learned that I just needed to allow myself to have fun making yeah. music and a lot of the stuff that I was really inspired by besides Dirty Bird was like a lot of um, deep house stuff. I was a real big fan of like Gimpster and Free yeah. Range. I was really into Jamie Jones, Lee Foss, Pop Creation stuff when they were doing like funky deep house stuff, like, yeah. you know, lots of melodies Early and Macy funky bass lines. Things like that. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that I was inspired by that um, I that was not related to Dirty Bird at all. And I started making, finally allowing myself to just make whatever I wanted, yeah. which was still pretty much all house music at the time. And you know, then there were those songs that were like deep house songs with like diva vocals that yeah. I didn't realize this, but it was like the actual antithesis to Dirty Bird. Like Dirty Bird was started in San Francisco yeah. almost in reaction to like Miguel Miggs yeah. and like like sexy deep house stuff, yeah. which I liked. <laughs> and so <laughs> Pod Von Stroke absolutely hated those songs. Um, but it's interesting because the second song that I ever released in Dirty Bird was actually a juxtaposition of like a lot of deep house shit. And like Dirty Bird stuff, and I'll, I'll play it for you. Like, uh, it's because you can hear it. Like, so here's like the deep pop section. Like, but but it's uh, still Dirty Bird. That that is well, that's what I love about I. I here's actually, like the point of intersection because that shit. It's it's inspired. I didn't realize it, but I was inspired by like Dirty Bird, um, which a lot of Dirty Bird is inspired by drum and bass. Yeah. And drum and bass is a weird, there is a lot of inspiration you can draw upon for both like gnarly yeah. shit and beautiful, like deep, you know, you talk about yeah, liquid yeah. drum and bass. But yeah. this song also has the wubs, like. Yeah. You know, like, okay. You know, so it has like the big bass line. So I, I like threw it all in the blender <laughs> and. Yeah, you know, I think actually my biggest pitfalls over the course of my career when I was like really struggling with like the create with the creative side of making yeah. music was not when How, I was focused on what sorry to buy what year was that that you were struggling? It just went in waves, yeah. but I think within the first five years of my career, mm. first four really, while I was in college, it was yeah. like there were some moments where it was struggle time, yeah. like year one, and yeah. then maybe like year three. Uh -huh. was like another period of struggle. Um, I was a little bit more isolated. Like I moved out of like a bigger, like, you know, social environment yeah. into like an apartment with one person. And yeah. I think that that kind of like got in my head a little bit because the first two years, first year I was making music in a dorm and yeah. second year I was making music in a frat house. <laughs> and the, the aspect of people being around was very cool to me because yeah. people would ignore me I was like the weird guy making music. And then I would, something would happen on the song and all of a sudden people would poke their heads yeah. in and be like, yo, what is this? <laughs> and I'd be like, it's me. Is, is that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me. And, and the, I don't know. I just, I liked that, that ability to have like people Critics. around me. 
It's critics. It's like, not even as critics because like everyone hated house music. So yeah. it was like they were all critics, but it was more so like, I don't know. I just tuned out. If I assumed the assumption was no one was going to like it, but if I did get some positive feedback, that was useful. But back to the, the struggle period of like year three for me um, to be very reductive about it, but it's not obviously yeah. so uh, concrete. But when I would get caught up in, I, I had this period of time where I started trying to be more serious. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wanted to try making techno, which I'd never made before. And my mindset was just like, it just wasn't fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like me being like alone, wearing all black. <laughs> you know, I, I was in a long distance relationship on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> like on Skype at the yeah. time, like she had moved. And so, and I think that kind of sums up the, you know, the sort of mindset that I was in. So it was obviously like a confluence of different factors. But yeah, I put out the CP on Dirty Bird that was like trying to be techno. And it was the one, it was the EP before the one you liked. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because like I think... Uh, Which it was one was it? The only, Let's give us a called, play because I might know it. It's called Instincts. Um, and uh, it's kind of funny because some people liked it. Like it, it was actually my only EP to get like a, it was like, or I, maybe not my only, but maybe my first CP that got a write-up in DJ Mag. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like someone liked it, but I don't know. It didn't feel, it, it was like, a, I don't know. I, I, it was like, I, to me, the song, there, there's still cool things about them, but I think uh, I wasn't allowing myself to have fun. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I think making techno, um, for me, it took, it took a couple of years yeah. to figure out. Like, I think I only finally made a techno song that I was like, this feels like authentic and yeah. proper. Maybe like a couple of years ago. Um, the stuff I've just, I put out on Ovum last year is what is the music I'm actually talking about. It but... was great, that that EP. I loved it. Oh, yeah, dude, I'm hyped great. you heard it. I love that. Dude. But yeah, man, I don't know. I think, I, I, I think it doesn't matter what kind of music I make. If I'm not, if it, mindset is everything for me, yeah. if I'm not having fun, it all can go south, you know? And that can happen on a track where I'm not having fun. And then I have to go back to an older version yeah. before I went on that part of, before I, my mindset started drifting. And then I can salvage a song sometimes. Um, that's kind of this, maybe a, a bit of the story for the song that I just put out yesterday where yeah, the rumors are two years. Two years. <laughs> Yeah. Jeez, man. Yeah. That's wild. It's a great record. I was just listening to it beforehand. Um Dude, oh thank you. And and that's the, this is the thing that I kind of like really want to like get f out of this. F and this is just me being completely selfish because you are releasing fucking anything. And yeah. how does that on a business side of things, right? because we're talking business as well. We're, we're in the music business. How do you feel that, that that fits the business side of this industry? Dude, well, I'm hyped that you opened the door on this conversation because, and I love how you worded that. You're like selfishly because, dude, I mean, there's so much that, this is a pretty interesting conversation just like because I feel like we are, we are approaching things from very different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot that I see you doing that I'm like, damn, Will is killing it and has it all figured out. Um, and and it's interesting because like 
I'm I'm gonna flip the I'm gonna you know yeah 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 the turntables are <laughs> turn the turntables oh how the turntables um shout out the office um but yeah you know it's just interesting because I think before I dive in I just want to say like I think any approach can work you know you're a mm. beautiful example of someone who I think like from my perspective does the opposite where like I think there's a lot of strategy you know I see your career. And, you know, I can see these different sort of like almost chapters of like you exploring different things yeah. and kind of like they seem to get buttoned up and then you move on yeah. in a way that's like very easy to process as a consumer, yeah. which I think is kind of a cool thing because, yeah, I think the big, you know, the big thing that you are avoiding, yeah, <laughs> which is great, is people will come to your show and not be horribly disappointed yeah, because yeah, they were totally. expecting this and get that. Yeah. So that's like, uh, I, which I think is really cool because my, the, I will just paint you the picture as poorly as possible up front. <laughs> you know, I think like the most extreme thing is there are people who will message me saying, Justin, I thought I was going to see a band play yeah. and it was a fucking DJ set. <laughs> and then the opposite. I will get the opposite too. Justin, I thought you were going to be DJing house music and you were singing and there were guitars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, yes, that is what you sign up for. Disappointment from yeah. people. Um, and, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, I think d exploring live music and singing is probably the extreme of that because, like, when there's, like, live drums and guitars instead yeah. of, like, synth bass lines and shit um and it's like you're preparing yourself for a lot of disappointed fans but <laughs> how and, does that feel though you know i approached it the same way i approached djing yeah where i was like okay so as a dj i can you know so yes sometimes i'm like chaos crazy person yeah. but there's other times where it'll be more you know like like in high school when i was going to yeah. trick people into dancing to house music so mm -hmm. i pretty much use the same philosophy but reverse and it. frameworks for, for sneaking the live music into yeah. it. That's how it began. Whereas I would, I made my first song with friends who were singing and playing guitar and would play it in my DJ sets once I got the crowd going. Yeah. And then that one song turned into five songs. Yeah. And then there was a point where I wanted to start singing and I wanted to have a drummer and I wanted to turn off the CDJs. I yeah. didn't want the CDJs because I was initially it was like karaoke. It was like play a track, guitar and singing on top, yeah. um, which is something that a lot of DJs do. But for me, it felt a little inauthentic and I wanted to like really get that jam experience. So, dude, what started happening was I would play a DJ set and then build it up into a moment where I turned off the turntables the drums were set up, tucked in the corner, guitar amp, microphone, bass, etc. And that's how I would sneak it in. Yeah. <laughs> and then that chunk from live music began as like one song or two songs and then grew and grew until it was like 30 minutes. Yeah. And then it ultimately grew to the point where it could be a full set. So that was my experience. But to answer your actual question more directly, um, you know, I think I'm still learning how to do it better. I'm not like I think, you know, I'm not doing it as bad as well as possible, yeah, as yeah. you know, as, as efficiently and effectively as I could. But I'm having the most fun, so I don't really care. And I'm that's why I'm here to learn about you because yeah. <laughs> I can learn how to like maybe get a little bit more strategic. But well, I, well, I think I think we were learning from each other because yeah. you're having fun. 
And don't get me wrong, like, I'm having fun. But there's been a lot of times where I'm not having fun. And yeah, and I talk about that quite openly. Um, for me, not having, for me, when I'm not having fun is when I have so many expectations of myself. Yes. <laughs> and you're just like, like releasing, like this is no word of a lie. Like releasing music isn't fun for me anymore. Which is weird oh, to say. Will, I want to just give you a big old hug, dude. <laughs> no, that's not, and that's not in like, that's not due to anyone. That's purely what I do in my own head. If you that's know, that's why I mean. you need a hug, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's there's like not, there's not out there someone else that I need to give a hug <laughs> so that they're nice to you. It's you, dude. It's all you. <laughs> it's just like it's more so like. I don't know. I put so much. My expectations are so high every time I release a record. And I think it's purely because I think personally, without sounding arrogant and kind of big headed, is like the music that I'm releasing now, I personally feel like is the best music. I put the most amount of time into that into that music. And when your music doesn't get recognized by a few curators of playlists and it doesn't get the like kind of the love that you feel that it should be and it nothing your music should never get the love that it should if you know what i mean there's no such thing but I, it's just how i it's just so frustrating to me so dude the you know expectations comparing one song to the next comparing one artist to the yeah, next the worst none of these things are good for being creative and having fun, you know, like, you know, I think these are the trappings of success that like we all need to be conscientious of the trappings of taking things seriously, which can happen even if success isn't there and can debilitate people, mm. you know, um, these are all really powerful forces. Um, you know, I, you know, I want to hear more about your journey. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you like with me, dude, I, most of my songs don't get on playlists. Most of my songs don't <laughs> yeah. do don't get all of the things that you think you need to get yeah, to yeah. achieve success. Um, do they still do well? Sometimes, very much so. Yeah. Um, what I see is like you know, like on Spotify, for instance, because I know that's something that you're probably thinking about when you talk about curators. Um, dude, I there's a really cool idea about. Not how your song does in week one, but week 51. Yeah. You know, it's this idea of like, how, do people actually continue to listen to your music and stuff like that? But, bro, when I put out techno stuff, no one's going to listen to that shit on no Spotify. Like, us. and no. why would you? No. It's So it's like, I don't know, man. I think for... It's a, see, I don't know, man, because like, who knows? Like, with what you're... With, with the strategic approach maybe when touring reopens like you're gonna be so well positioned to like be a headline festival yeah. superstar which i will probably not <laughs> you'll and, turn and, up and, with who let the dogs out and your guitar but yeah, i love exactly. that no I, exactly. I i for me is like i i a lot of it is very strategic a lot of it but i i walk, walk through it dude tell me if you're comfortable talking about yeah like, man sort of i will I'll, I'll answer whatever you kind of want to know and because i i don't like I'm learning from you a lot more so. And I just want to say like, dude, huge, huge fan of what you're doing with your label and this new chapter of music. Like you sent me Hallelujah maybe a year before it came out yeah. and I played it nonstop. <laughs> and I was like, you. damn, dude. <laughs> and and I, I also want to say like, 
for me, when I hear that sort of stuff, I feel like the risks that you've taken musically on the new stuff, to me, that sounds, to me, that sounds like you've been having fun, Yeah. you know, like exploring. I hear like dub techno on Hallelujah and I hear like, you know, nostalgic France elements yeah, in, yeah. you know, like some of the other songs you put out. There's like the MK collab too. Yeah. Like he's got his touch. So the, the song you just put out, you I hear like some like lo-fi house meets melodic. Yeah. It's like you're really to me, I feel like on paper, musically, it seems like you're having fun. I'm loving making music. I'm That's loving great, I'm absolutely loving making music. I'm just not really enjoying the releasing process. It's weird because I feel like your shit that's so crazy to me because I'm seeing, I've been like, you know, following your journey as a fan. Yeah. I'm like, dude, good for Will. His shit is <laughs> popping off. Like, it's crazy, by the way. Like, you know, the the impact, like, just like looking at Spotify alone because I, you know, you yeah. know, did the whole like, you know, going to chat with Will, going to check up on, you know, the music and how it's going. And dude, it's like, it's going phenomenally well. And so I'm very surprised to hear that you are <laughs> grappling with these things because I'm like, and it's the classic thing. It's like you see things going well for someone and you assume that they're like on top of the world yeah. and talk to me. Do what you, is going on? So for me, what it is, is that you achieve one thing and it does really well. Like the first two releases on, on my label. Well, all of my releases have done well on my label. And that's the thing. If If on paper, if I go, what, like they, they if let's say two years ago you I would be in the situation that I'm at but I'm I'm very much the person that I just always want to better like I always want to kind of achieve more and it's not for me it's not about for me it's just always continuing to grow and 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 do better than the last thing that I did put out if you know what I mean and uh, that's the thing that I struggle with the most, really. So here's my advice. You should make an EP that you think will be received horribly and put it out. You can put it out on my label <laughs> and hope that it gets, a, you know, a hundred plays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty much try and realize the worst case scenario and you will immediately be free from like the chains that you think are, I don't know. So, and I like that's that's like my like my like suggestion for how to like just snap out of this mindset is to like confront the all of the fears head on in the most extreme but fashion. yeah well I, th I think the thing that I'm I'm kind of doing now is that I I'm putting the pressure on myself because I'm really I'm self-releasing because I'm putting out my own label and that is the only real reason when I really like I've got an EP coming out on Dents and Pika's label next Friday and like i know that spotify like no one on spot no one's gonna want to listen to that on spotify it's hard as fuck like super hard and i don't expect anything to happen of that if you know what i mean i really like i'm purely just putting that out because i love putting that music out um but it's it's for where for me when i'm self-releasing i put so much pressure on myself but, you know, I mean, I guess to me that makes a little bit of sense given that you're, if you're self-releasing it, you're in charge of your label. I'm curious, like, how does your, can you talk a little bit more tangibly about how you've, you know, dude, I mean, because you have, because I think first before talking about like how to improve your mindset, 
it, it is really, it's worth giving you some fucking huge props on what you've been able to achieve. Like, and I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about, you, you we need to acknowledge that you have been performing two roles, yeah. you know, your label man and artist. And so let's talk to like, let's disassociate these two people and talk to like label Will Clark yeah. man who should want to do better and better. That's like, that is <laughs> what you the, are doing as a label. You yeah, want to yeah. get the music out there. That's like the, that is the job. That is the service. It's a beautiful thing to get a great song heard mm. by people, whether it's your own or by another artist. Um, so let's just, let's, you know, let's just talk about that. If you're down, like, you know, how, you know, can you talk about what have been the keys to success with your label, whether it's like distribution or like help from management? What's because often it takes a village, even if it's your own label. Well, that is it. That, that, that is the village. So when I took on, uh, when I started working with my manager, a guy called Ryan, um, we started working together 2019, I believe. Um and literally the, the we set a load of goals out from day one like we mm-hmm. we spoke for months i had like a really shit time with management um we spoke loads before i took him on um because i didn't want to just go into a management for like no reason if you know what i mean i don't yeah. see the point in having a manager just to have a manager and we just built up this cool relationship and so when we started working together, we we kind of set a list of goals of what we want to achieve. And we still do that every year. And uh, one of them was to to get a label, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to just release a, a start a record label without the right team around me. Um, so it was just a year of just planning on this record label, really. And everything from branding to a name to like the name took me about six months to work out and then the branding was probably another four months um and then having uh to start for the first year of the label we had a label manager in the uk i called nick harris um and then we had a team in australia um and we had a team in america that were kind of looking after individual kind of parts of the record label in in that territory and then we on top of the label manager we also had a team in europe and i just wanted to make sure that this record label starts with everyone singing from the same song sheet but also everyone wanting to kind of everyone in their specific territories and the experts in the specific territories to kind of make sure that the records do the best they possibly can do really um i'm not i'm i'm just somebody that writes music and plays it and i'm i i can kind of manage that everyone but i'm not an expert at distribution i'm not an expert at running a record label so why would i try and do that like I'd rather get somebody else to do that for me. There's better at that for me. So I think here's your problem right here is your unwillingness to acknowledge that you are running a label <laughs> because, and you're saying, I'm just the guy who makes music. You're fucking not. <laughs> and that's, and that's, I think that's a cool thing, you know, yeah. but here's where, what you, here's my biggest piece of advice, what you need to do, because this idea of wanting to follow up, uh, your next release on the label with success and do the best job possible is kind of 
part of running a label. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what, what we need to establish for you is that there are these two different personalities. Yeah. There's Will Clark, the artist, and Mr. Clark, the, <laughs> the label guy. And you need to, the, what you do not want to happen is you do not want the wrong person in the wrong chair yeah, at the wrong yeah. time, you know? And so. Oh, 100%. Like, I, have you had that with your label? Um, well, I've, my label's scrappy. <laughs> so like, you know, we haven't had like, we, you know, we haven't like, you've done a much better job on, on running a record label than I have. It's in terms of like real quick, when you talk about all these different teams, what are you talking about? Like, are these distribute, are these like different distributors or these companies? Distribute, like, dig- distributors, licensing, com- like like people, like other labels that license. So I have a, I have a licensing deal actually now it's worldwide apart from Australia. So I have a, mm-hmm. I have a company called good company that license all we have is now. Um, and they run everything worldwide beforehand um i have i have a license a a label called etc etc in australia who license my stuff in in australia so they're kind of in charge of everything in australia and new zealand Um, did you have this shit set up from day one with the first release wow i wasn't going i wasn't going to start a record label if i didn't dude because that's so legit man see yeah you have such a good you know, this, when I talk strategy, like there's so much to it. And this is interesting for me to hear because I think, you know, you know, yeah, let's dig in a little bit more and we'll wrap around to like how maybe we can get you to have more fun. (laughs) I'm having fun. It's just, it's just, I just don't like the process of releasing music. And that the only reason why I'm in that is because I know the real reason is because I want my records to be successful so everyone else is successful that's working with me. That's that's mm. purely that's purely the the reason. Like I like and I for me I've never had this happen like in my career where I've got a team around me that I'm so happy with that I want I want to be successful so they earn more money. Like I want to earn more money. So, and this isn't about money, but for like my manager, let's say for instance, I want to be able to give him an insane life through what we do together. And is at he the end struggling of, right now? Is he like, no, he's cool. He, is, he's fine. <laughs> he's absolutely fine. So, so do you need to feel that pressure? Yeah. Because I think that I think for me, how I, I work well under pressure but do you have fun? Because <laughs> I have fun when I'm writing music, but not when it gets released. But at the end of the okay. day, when it doesn't, when it gets released, there's nothing you I can do. So yeah. like there was, there was a release that I released last year that I didn't do as well as I thought it would do. And I spent like about a month just like, what the fuck do I do? And then my most recent release, Run Run, absolutely love it. It didn't get all the love from, from Spotify and from Radio 1. Fine, but... I genuinely love that record. So I'm like, fuck it. But it's there's still that pressure at the beginning. Like this record has to do well. If it doesn't do well, then what what have we got going? But you're right. The one the one thing is that I'm just like 
no, I, I love the music. And if I absolutely believe in the music, 100%, then there's nothing else I can kind of argue right. with. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, man. I mean, I think my, you know, here's just something that I feel like is, is worth mentioning. Like when I think we are the most at risk of being destroyed by our own pressure and oh, like all of that stuff yeah, yeah. when we don't realize it, yeah. <laughs> you know, like when we're not like being honest with ourselves in terms yeah. of like, this is the pressure I'm putting on myself. This is what I'm actually trying to yeah. do. You know, I mean, it's because I think it's, I don't know, man. It, it's once you realize like, yo, I'm putting pressure because I need this number to be big, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And like, to me, it sounds like that's stuff that you're like, you know what, dude, I love this song. I don't care about these plays. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like once you disarm, once you identify the, the, the problem, you, you will often disarm like 80 to 90% of its power 100%, when you yeah. truly realize it yeah, because yeah. it's the shit that's, that's nagging at you yeah. that you don't realize that's like, that will really fuck you up. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Can you, cause I'm, I'm curious about genuinely trying to dig in on this with you. Like, cause you, you're, you're, you, you know, you, you say like, dude, I've been talking about this all the time, like not having fun. Paint me the picture. What does it look like when you are the most succumbed by pressure and not having fun? Like, what is that moment? Give me a, like, Paint the picture for me. I think it's I think it's the highs and lows of being an artist, right? Um, you know, I, I don't know. This might not this might not be you. I don't know, but for most people that I've spoke, spoken to, you can have like the highest highs and the lowest lows in a day from being Absolutely. an artist. And for me, it's why why do I do what I do and I think that's what I forget what why I do what I do sometimes and and I think it's just the case of that it's so it's so strange during this time as well during coronavirus yeah. because as and I, I talk about this a lot with my t with my manager Ryan and I'm just like the only way we can see we're doing well now at this moment in time, at this very moment in time is if your record streams well, because there's no DJs playing. There's no DJs really giving feedback. There's no one playing your music. You can't play your music to, to, to crowds. So the only real way for you to be like, yeah, this record's doing really well is to see those streaming numbers go up or to see it go on playlists and then the streaming numbers go up or people talk about how amazing it is and things like that. And social media is a little bit kind of wayward. Like people follow you because they want to follow you. They don't f follow you because they don't like you. I I'd like to think anyway. Like I'm sure there's some some people that, that, that are like that. So the fact that everyone says on social media that they love your, rec your new record, it's like well, you follow me. So I'd like to hope that you like my music because you follow me and you're kind of invested in it, right? Um, so it kind of paints this like picture, this like glass tinted windows where you're like, that's not, 
it's true. Like I, I, it's great that they love the music, but then when it doesn't kind of move into streams or move into support on like certain playlists and things like that, I'm like, well, how, how can I know that if this record's doing well, but for me it's when people discover you through your new music and that's when so, I'm like, okay, this is, this is moving. So here, I'm going I'm to push, push some buttons and let me know if this is productive or not. So um, This has turned into like you interviewing me. <laughs> yeah, I told you, I warned you. I was like, Will, I'm going to flip the script on you. Um, dude, so you know how I talked about like, you know, there's like record label Will and then artist Will? Yeah. There's also manager Will. Oh, okay? 100%. And, and like, you know, I mean, you've self-managed yourself for a long time. Like, I know, I have no doubt in my mind, like, your, I'm sure your professional relationship with your manager is very collaborative because um, you're someone who's like very strategic and um, you know I, I just think it's important to realize that there's there needs to be like a disconnect between manager will and artist will. Oh, one hundred percent. I'm teaching like an artist. Like yeah. I'm, I've been doing like artist education stuff, yeah, like yeah. teaching people how to make music and stuff. And what I always tell people is like, do not let your inner manager into the studio. Yeah. You know, like obviously. I, I, what I tell people is like, wear a different hat if you yeah. need to. Like, put on a collared shirt when you're doing your manager <laughs> stuff, and then take off the button down and make yeah, music yeah. and have fun. But I think um, when what everything you just said in terms of gauging the success of a record is like manager will talk. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, you need. You have said nothing about like artist will, and I will give you sort of like my framework for how I have been thinking about this stuff because y your, your comments are so well-founded. There is no way to like really gauge stuff. There yeah. aren't the shows. You can't get that like connection with people. Um, you're looking at comments. You don't know if they're authentic or not, you know? Um, so you're looking at numbers, which is great for your manager, but it is a dangerous or not dangerous, but just like it is a, it is a path that leads to nowhere to be looking at numbers for what you are really in need of is like artistic fulfillment to me is what it sounds like. And numbers will never, ever, ever do it because here's the thing about numbers. Pick a number. There's always a bigger one. It's always a bigger one. Always. There's always a bigger one. So there, there's no satisfaction. And then what happens is whatever that biggest number was, then all of a sudden every number below it is now a smaller number. Yeah, yeah, totally. And this, so it's like every success just makes every not success more of a failure. Yeah. So it's like it is just there is no – because no artist is ever just like this. And then do you ever really find pure satisfaction at any of these new milestones when – No. When it's, a thousand turns to ten, a hundred, a million, a billion. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's, like, it's always that what's next. And, always. And that is the, the what's next is the job for your manager. That's yeah. great. You know, because if there wasn't a what's next, you would quit <laughs> and you would just like stop making music, which is an option, but like you make great music and I think people enjoy it. So like, no, I yeah, yeah. To, no, I, I keep on going. I totally agree. I think, I think for me, I, I know I'm fully aware what I do. I'm full like in, in that situation because I'm, I'm the first, but my manager doesn't even say it. Like I'm the one that says it to my manager. My yeah. manager's not like, I, and it's always been the thing for me. And it's been like that since, before I was writing music in, in my life before, if you know what I mean, and things like that. Like, 
it's just something that I have to just just accept that that's how I am. <laughs> but but no, no, dude. See, and that's bullshit, dude. Like, because that's a part of who you are. But to me, it just sounds like there's another part of you that like might be there that we just need to develop a little bit more. That's there that'll fucking I think that will provide a more like balanced foundation because you need you need a bit of what you're talking about. You if you didn't to. have that at all, it would be a disaster. But I, I think I wouldn't be where I'm at. I I, yeah. I I I honestly think like if I w- didn't put in the work that I put in now and that I have done in the past like few years, my career would have been over 100%. And, 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 and you know, I think here's the thing, like all of those motivations and those strategies, I think their prime directive is about allocating your energy <laughs> in a smart way. So it's like, yeah. you know, working hard and working strategically so that you're, getting the most bang for your effort as long as you're disciplined in those areas then like that's all that those things are useful for yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know but but the, they you receive ultimately diminishing returns especially when you start getting more successful but here is like where i would want i know you have this in you it's just about reconnecting with it it's like you know and i think it's easier to do when we're djing because it's it's person but the the most powerful thing that i think i would encourage you to like think about and just build your self-awareness is that feeling of personal connection when you put out a song when that one person sends you that nice heartfelt message or you get that text message from your mom or that one friend who you grew up with who's been listening to your music for 10 years like could be like a number of those people but you know it's like on instagram for instance or like in your life if you read 10 if you read three (laughs) nice messages from people that you cared about or spoke on the phone to someone who's like, man, I really loved that song. You know, like that will trump the billions of plays always. Oh, always. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think like that is, I I think, I think, mm -hmm. sorry to jump in with this record run, run. That's, that's what's happened. That's why I've, that's why it's kind of, for me is like, I've enjoyed it. So, cause I've had like mates that, don't even listen to house music if yes. you know what I mean. and you're just like okay i like it's not all that bad if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's not all that but it is that disconnect you're right it's that it's the the disconnect from artist label manager and all of that and kind of wanting more um and you are also kind of like an ambitious dude who is also very humble and you know you're well spoken and you know, I think the, you know, you just got to be, you know, I, I think being willing to say like, I am my own manager as well as Ryan or whatever. And yeah. I am running my label as well as with all the people who help that you can start creating a little bit of separation and begin removing power from some of these things that you thought are super important they are important but the degree to how powerful they are needs they're not to important check they're not you know? it's not important in the grand scheme of life in this grand scheme of of like let's be honest <laughs> you're only as good as your last record but if you're releasing 20 records a year then you're you're you're, you're kind of rolling with it it doesn't really matter what happens to your last record at the end of the day and i think for me it's i think there's just a combination of lots of things and not just not being around 
I think I think the coronavirus shit. I've been I've been cool the whole time, and then until it was releasing music, and I'm like, there's for me, I'm struggling with not playing the records, not kind of seeing that. So I doubled down on the numbers, one like even more so. Yeah, and dude, can't blame you for that because like we don't have it's it's like it requires more effort to get that personal connection back. I think for me, like you know, it's been. I think for me, having a label has actually been a big source of it because yeah. my label is not like we don't have like fancy distributors across the world and stuff, but we have like there are a couple, you know, like kids who reach out to me about internships. Yeah. And then we have like a bunch of like really nice people, like a bunch of the, like my main PR person was like an intern and Love we that. like taught her how to like pitch to blogs and SoundCloud channels and she now is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> So we just have this kind of like, you know, for me, like we also work a lot of artists that are like brand new. Yeah, I love that. And for some of these artists, it's like, dude, reaching a thousand plays is so meaningful. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think, um, that, you know, I try and it's it's very hard to do, but, you know, if I can at least be in contact with these artists and like mm. sharing, reveling in the victories together and, you know, I think the most meaningful thing that can happen in my label, I feel like, is when my, like, label manager or, like, the PR person will be like, oh, I love this song. I can't wait for it to come out. I'm yeah. like, yay! You yeah. know, like, I think that stuff, it's always the personal. You know, we as humans, we're not programmed to respond emotionally to numbers. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, we cannot even comprehend numbers. Like, no. like exponential growth is something that the human mind has no way of understanding, yeah. you know, and like the difference between, you know, a hundred billion versus like, you know, 10 million. It's like, those are both big numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the difference between those numbers is Insane. the same difference as like yeah, yeah. 10 million and like 0.01 <laughs> or something like, <laughs> you know, carry some zeros. But, yeah. I've got friends know. that are like extremely successful with numbers, like extremely successful overall. Like we all, we all do. Right. Like you, and it's interesting because they a lot of them have exactly the same. Like my rec, my last record did five hundred million streams, and my record before my my new record did ten million. And I'm like, dude, you still ten million is pretty fucking good. <laughs> like, dude. but it, it's just it's that, and I I don't I come a I don't know about you, but have you ever? have you kind of came across that in your career for you? Like where you're just like, is there an, been anything where you're like, this is not making it. I know we spoke about when you're trying to make music for other people and kind of not enjoying making music, but is it, is there came a point where it's like, this is, I'm, I need to change what I'm doing to kind of move forward. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think, I think one of the most interesting things about being an artist is like the journey is always evolving. You're yeah. always evolving as a person. And I think whenever you reach new, you reach new destinations, mm -hmm. sometimes different states, different like shifts in yeah. attitude can become very important. But this is such an interesting conversation, dude, because I think, you know, I'm not here to say that like these aspirations to do better and better are bad and I actually do think they're kind of important for the label person. It's just important. It's just the key is to keep those powers in check and to know that on a spiritual human level, 
the personal connection is far more meaningful. So yeah. as long as you, the, the importance of the goals is to make sure that you are putting in the effort and putting in the effort in a strategic way. So mm-hmm. for me, I mean, I think my, where I'm at, um, you know, I think it would be, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, I get a little bit more strategic so that I can, I, I think my biggest goal. I can help you be, with that. <laughs> I, like, honestly, well, will you be my manager? <laughs> Dude, but, um, but I think, you know, I, I think, like, obviously it's nice to get those things, but the, I'd say like my biggest goal for where I'm at currently is I want to get a little bit better at telling stories and, and mm-hmm. making them clear to people. Yeah. Because I think um, the idea of narrative is, is, is an important one because that is the, that is the missing piece between people coming to your show being confused yeah. versus understanding it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think, um, I just have all these different interests and I, and I think my job is like, this is how I like to set up my, set myself up conceptually is like artist. Justin is like a eight year old child <laughs> with like parents who allow him to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he can just run around doing whatever, um, play with food. And that's where I think I'll make the best music yeah. and not think about it at all. And then the job is to then hand the baton to my inner manager to then figure out like what is the best way to do this and i think you know it's 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 just it, it all depends on the music and i think for me it's it's a bit complicated because the directions that i'm the most excited about right now are very different it's like i'm really interested in kind of like quirky forward-thinking underground club music and yeah. also like singing and songwriting mm-hmm. there's moments of intersection like i think the song i just put out you know i was very you know i was so inspired by burial for yeah, instance yeah, yeah. I, like um it spent like pretty much spent like five hours trying to recreate the drums <laughs> in archangel without sampling them and didn't say no burial samples yeah <laughs> but uh it's obviously not as amazing and refined as, as him but um, well, you used, used a sequencer. That's the thing. He didn't like none of his was quantized. It's like Soundforged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude. And it's all video game samples. But the thing <laughs> is me listening to that, to yours, I'm like, it's worlds apart, but it's just as good in the world that it's sitting in. Mm-hmm. If that makes so sense. So here, how about this? Well, just for fun, because I, I think I have like 20 minutes left before I have to run. If, if that works with yeah, you, yeah, dude. Yeah. Just, just, I think this would be really funny for people. Um, can I play you maybe 30 seconds of two different songs that that sum up yeah, yeah, do it. the sort of stuff do that it. I'm interested in? Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, here we go. Boom, boom, boom. Everyone can now see my computer screen. Okay, so here. I'll play you. I'll play you the two directions. This is like what I'm trying to reconcile. So I have like a forward-thinking album um, that's like inspired by The Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> And here's what it sounds like. Tell me if my sound works, by the way. Yeah, it's working. Good. like one thing yeah and so that's like a whole album of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then here's the other side of me 
Uh, hold on. Where is it? Here. Okay. Uh, no, it'd be... Sorry. Uh, where is it? Hold on. Hold on. There we go. Perfect. Um, <laughs> here's the other side. Let's see if this works real quick. Come on, internet. Give me... Yeah, there we go. go. I'll play this one a little longer because it's more sensitive. Right before the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, sorry, what you were gonna say something? No, no, carry on. Go for it. No, dude, you first it's your show. What were you gonna say? It, it, yeah, it's worlds apart, but I dig them both. Aw. It's, it's it's like how are you gonna release that, all of that? Or are you gonna release it all? Is it gonna all be under Justin J or is it gonna be under different You know, so I think you know, I think at some point I might need to start an alias, but I, I feel like aliases are actually really more important when you're humongous, you know, because like if you get so big that you're trapped by expectations where like stadiums, yeah. you know, like are going to be disappointed <laughs> because you're doing something different. I don't know. Like I, I mean, I think. But I Diplo, disagree with you on that to a certain extent as well, because. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think there does come a point and this isn't looking on the business side of things. This is looking at who your fans are as an artist, right? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes the reason why we put aliases out is because it, and this is only for me, I can, I guess I can only speak for myself, but it's about reaching out to an audience that maybe you wouldn't reach out to before by doing that under a different name. Why do you say that? Like, do you think reaching out to an audience that you wouldn't reach out to before? Why? Because sometimes they're not going to listen to what you make normally under, no, under your normal, normal name. They might not give it the fair chance, yeah. you're saying? Yeah. I, I think that's just human beings, right? Um, I, I I think I can do it if you know what I mean. Like there's so many times where I, I've been in the situation where I'm like, uh, I can't be bothered to listen to that because I know what it's going to be. And then I listen to it, I hear it in a club and I'm like, what the fuck is that record? And it's like completely, and it's just that kind of judging the book from, it, from its cover is... And I think sometimes aliases allows artists to really just do what the fuck they want. Yeah, but you're I in a situation know. where you're doing what the fuck you want. I think it's all mental, dude. 
because <laughs> like I think because uh, I don't know I think if you really let's say I mean who would be a good example of this there isn't any good examples uh, Jamie XX you know, there's so many, dude. Uh, I, I um, not that have came from from the house and techno background that had just gone. James from, Blake, James Blake. He, he's not house and techno though. He's came from dude, a pop he, background. He came, he came from dubstep. Yeah, but it, if you, his first album was singer songwriter. Yeah, but that's what that was the that was the transformation shift. But if we, dude, James Blake was making kind of bangers. Yeah, like, they're they're like, great, but they're not they are not club records. Oh no, but that's what I'm saying. No, they are. He was making club stuff. Like, yeah, dude. Like, look at these. Like, I don't know if you know these labels, but like Hemlock, Hessel Audio, RS. Yeah. Like, dude. Like, these are club. They're they're artsy. It's obviously not like it doesn't sound like Adam Bear, but it's. By the way, I fuck with Adam Bayer. <laughs> um, but I, I'm saying James Blake is a good example of someone who, like, he he went he just goes on the curveball. Diplo is another good example of someone who just like does whatever he wants. So I don't know. But man. with, Dip, think, with Diplo, think, with Diplo at the beginning of his career, he was very like, "This is what we do." And then he kind of, when he got to that level where his 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 level was so big that whatever he puts out, it, it doesn't matter because it's going to get there. I think James then, Blake came from a, from a, a very, he didn't come from the house and techno background where he's like a DJ. I'm a DJ. He, he was a, he's always been a songwriter from day one. Um, and dude, you, so here, here's the thing that I'm curious about. Cause you know, when you talk about Diplo and cause I think you're someone, this is where, our perspectives are different and I, I'm so curious to kind of like, you know, I think the, pretty much the combination of both yeah, <laughs> of yeah. both perspectives is what will yield the best results. Like, you know, when you talk about the Diplo story and you're like, he presented something specific that was easy to understand and then it got him big and then he won back his artistic freedom. Yeah, like, I guess, how do you think about that for yourself in terms of creating a sense of like, clear clear narrative for like this is what i'm about this is what i'm doing like i don't know man what's 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 been the most meaningful shit that you've done that has helped you kind of achieve this amazing success you know yeah i think for me is just being completely open and honest with Mm -hmm. where i'm at and what i'm trying to achieve and for me like it was a it was it's a i it's clear for me and I don't think it's necessarily always clear for everybody else, but I, I, I didn't start on Dirty Bird, but that's where people kind of, that's where my first success came from. And then I'm kind of moved away from Dirty Bird and started releasing on more European labels. And then I released, then I started my own label. They're like the three transitions in my career, but I, I'm this like, okay, so I, this chapter here, I am literally tying this up with a nice little bow and it is that, that bow is never going to be opened again until I feel like I can, I've achieved that next chapter that I've, I've set out to do, if you know what I mean. Wow. That dude, that's so wild. Can you talk to me a little bit about goals? Like what do goals look like <laughs> tangibly? Like, Yeah. Tangible, I, that's the that's the key. That's the key word. Tangible goals, tangible and achievable. It has to be achievable. Like, 
I think there's difference between goals and dreams, right? Like one of my biggest goals and dreams in my life is to headline Glastonbury Festival. It's down there. I live 15 minutes away from there for me. Like realistically, like that's, that's, that's like eight year old Will talking, if you know what I mean. 30 year old Will is like, dude, come on, man. As Will Clark, you're never going to headline Glastonbury. Glastonbury Festival Pyramid Stage. You're never, and and that's that's not me being, that's not me being negative about myself. I'm just being realistic, if you know what I mean. Um, but I'm not saying that I would never be able to headline it doing something else. If that makes sense. You 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 avoided the question, my dude. But I enjoyed your answer. But. <laughs> tangible goals like what do they look like what are you gave an example of, un, of for yourself unrealistic ones i could challenge you on them by the way yeah of course <laughs> but, we could we could but, challenge everybody on it on every but, goal but, couldn't but, we no no on every limiting belief yeah. i think well like limiting beliefs are always good to challenge but what what are some of the tangible goals that you're like that um that either you've achieved or yeah i want i want to hear a couple that you have achieved as a start like some of the ones that a few years ago you set out to do and then you fucking did it. Well, like, we, what did that, like, yeah, well, I guess we've spoken about a lot of them. Like, record label was the main one of the main ones. Is and dude. also chain like not. This sounds really awful, but not being a dirty bird artist is a. It was a huge thing for me. Really? And, can, and, you, can you speak to that? Yeah, of course. Like, I was writing music that was never going to be released on Dirty Bird, and yeah. I. Like I, I wanted to be associated with different different artists as well. I wanted to be. I wanted to play different stages. I wanted to. I felt like being part of the Dirty Bird crew. As much as I love everyone there, and they're still all my homies, I felt like it was holding me back in lots of places in my career. And the only way to stop that is by moving on. If you know what right. I mean. And and also it got to the point where I want to really, it goes back to that enjoying and enjoying what I'm yeah. doing. And there's there's been a few places in my career where I'm, I just don't enjoy. And, and until I, I know why I'm not enjoying it, but I have to work that out in that process, right? And yeah. the process for for me in a lot of working out what I want is knowing exactly what I want, but it's that gap between knowing what I want and then going to achieve it. And it's that gap in between. It's like, how do I achieve it? So let's, let's say for instance, the record label, how do I achieve it? How, what's my actual goals of running a record label? What, why, why do I want to run a record label? Well, the reason why I want to run a record label is because, first of all, I want to control everything I release. Um, and if I love a record, most of the records that I, I'm releasing on my label sonically wouldn't fit on other people's labels. Um, and I don't want to wait three months for a, for a label person to come back to me to say they want to release it. Like, I want to release it. Simple. I don't want to give a record label something I've spent a long time putting a lot of effort into my records and then it's just another release to them, 
to kind of boost yeah. their career. So for me, like starting the record label and and also and this is why I haven't released anybody else's music on that on my record label yet, because I don't feel like I'm at the point where I can give other people's music the benefit of the best possible release. And I, and that's no, that's just the way I want to take the record label. I don't just want to release house and techno on the record label. I want to release really, really fucking good music. And whether that's an electronica record, that's an electronica record, if you know what I mean. But for me, it's just with tangible goals or achievable goals is once I set them, the feeling of ticking them off is fucking amazing at the end of the year. That's awesome. Dude, So, the, do you do, like, you have that list written down and then you go boom, boom, boom? Yeah, we do it. Me, me and Ryan do it every year. And I also have, I also set goals in myself, in, in personal goals, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I know, like, I, what about you? What do you do? Or do you just roll with it? Yeah, and you know, I think, very, dude. By the way, very, very inspiring, dude. Really, you know, there's a, re, you know, I, I just feel like there's a, re, your success is so, <laughs> like, well earned. You know, like your, how strategic you are, how disciplined you are in terms of goal setting, and then achieving these goals. Like, it's very, very impressive to hear, you know, just your the way you, you the way you think about this stuff. Um, and for me, I mean, I think it's been, a, uh, I think I've just needed a lot of time to kind of explore what it is that I need to, what, like what it is that I need to do as an artist to enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> like yeah, that process, I think was so elusive, uh, like it was so confusing to me because for many years, I just didn't think about it at all. Like mm. I just was like making house music yeah. and then uh got inspired by singing and the stuff I, I i don't know i mean i think my my ultimate conclusion is that like i like to do a bunch of different things and that i don't fundamentally i guess i've been a, a little bit afraid of choosing just one thing mm. and that you know there's fears that could be associated with like well, people like it, you know, yeah. or <laughs> am I good enough to be a singer? You know, like that, those types of fears are at play. And then it, with DJing and club music, it's so different because I, there was a time where I was like really just like not into DJing or making club music at all. And what I realized, what Why I was that? realized, Why when was, was it? it? Why was that? Dude. Um, well, I think in part I was inspired by the singing stuff, but also the well of inspiration for production had dwindled because I wasn't refilling it sufficiently. And I think for me in production, it's so different than songwriting because songwriting is kind of like, it's all about emotion and it's timeless. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, we can listen to a song from a hundred years ago and, you know, and it'll still make you cry, you know, um, production, it's, it's ever changing and it's, it's just a different, side of things and I think like the most inspiring thing that that makes me want to produce is listening to other people's stuff you know yeah. and when I discontinued I I didn't realize it but while I was juggling like the band and like 
uh, songwriting, I was not digging for new music. It was also a confusing time because the, the period, the chapter I think about is kind of like when Dirty Bird went, got exponentially bigger. Um, and so it was like, oh, I just play this house music stuff that yeah. I've been playing. And I don't know, I just, you know, I've been, I, I, in the past couple of years, as I've opened myself up to more genres of music, more styles, listen to more music, I'll hear more stuff and be like, I want to try making that. I want to yeah. try making that. And it's it's an interesting time because I feel like, you know, nowadays, check out like Ben UFO's yeah. Boiler Room sets and it's like 120 to 160. And like that's everyone's just playing eclectic shit right now. You know, like everyone's just tossing all this stuff in the blender. I'm talking like especially like in Europe, you know, labels like Lobster Theremin, so, Shall Not label. Fade, yeah. uh, Alien Tape, you know, like Alien Tape, just re- the, the most recent release is one's like a beat tape that's like J Dilla yeah. shit. And the next release is like straightforward techno. And I, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know, man. I I think that's been my problem is I'm just kind of like, like, my focus is on having fun, which gives me the best results. So like how that ends up with a more complex artistic profile. And then how do you work on that? Cause I mean, I think, you know, I have like, I too have like ambitions to like keep on growing and yeah, yeah. keep on doing it. But um, I don't know. I think I've also, you know, I don't know, man, it's just, I felt I think I could have benefit. I could benefit from more concrete goal setting, and it's something that I'm working towards more. So, here, yeah, that's why, dude. Hearing you talk about this stuff, so so inspiring, dude. It's Thanks. crazy. I'm always here, man. <laughs> is that yeah. is that? I think the thing is, I've I've learned a lot though during this conversation because we're completely different. Like yeah. we, our approach is so different, and I think it's a great learning for anyone that's listening as well and anyone out there that's doing anything in life is that there's no one way to anything and <laughs> definitely and it, it realistically it's got to work for you but also i know i'm fully aware that there's things that i have to be open to change to kind of improve my personal life and my professional life if you know what i mean absolutely ha- and, and that's like the Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? How? Sorry to 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 buy in. How do you, do do you switch between personal and professional when it comes to and being an artist? Oh, you mean like my inner artist versus my inner manager? No, like you being an artist and you living a life, right? Right, right, right. And being like, hi, I'm a human being yeah. who, <laughs> oops. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because it's so um, easy for me. Like, it's so easy to just be so caught up in in the music world, right? And to then sit back and be like, like, I do it so often. I'm like, we're just fucking writing house music or we're just writing music. The, in the grand scheme of life, this is, fucking a blip in the universe like why will stop taking it so fucking seriously like just chill the fuck out and and relax and go and go and hug your mom or your dad and whatever go see your friends or whatever like what is there is there anything for you where you're like okay this is what i do to to kind of divide the worlds 
you know, I mean, I think for me, making lots of different types of music has helped me kind of stay out of the music industry thing, the, that sort of mindset, because, yeah. dude, playing as a band, you're like, dude, DJing is a fucking joke. Like, <laughs> like dude, dude, the things that go wrong when you're playing with a band, the technical yeah. things, microphone feedback. Yeah. What's it's that? a disaster. <laughs> it's a disaster. Um, <laughs> you know, timing, like, you know, DJs have to worry about beat matching, but like, <laughs> you, you're never worried about the song just sounding bad when you're playing it but the, the band you're like this sounds awful yeah when the drummer's just out of time and just like yeah. not keeping time and then you basically most, play it yeah 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 and most of the time it's my fault that yeah. things are going wrong um but so i think that that adds a breath of fresh air and then being in a band and then going to producing it's like bands they're doing the same shit that's been being done for like 60 years yeah like what you're just doing you think you're doing something new it's yeah. like it's it's like there's just as it's like everything that people get serious about in in those respective worlds gets flipped upside down for me and so i think that's that's been like a very like sort of fun thing where i'm like djs need to chill out bands need to chill out it's all <laughs> just music and and none of it matters um but you know i think there's, I, I, it's gone in ways for me because I think I, there was a period of time where I had a very intense manager who signed Billie Eilish and is like, Damn. he was like, he was like the king of making people blow up. I think I spoke um, to him before. Oh, really? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, and dude, I, he was, he had this plan for me to like do this golden voice tour and then yeah. do a big set at Coachella. And I was like, Dude, I want to learn how to sing, <laughs> and I'm horrible at it. <laughs> I can't play Coachella, <laughs> and so, dude, I ended up. We went our separate ways because I needed to. That was when I made my like home album. I like moved back in with my parents, canceled the, the big tour, fired people, and reset. And and I think ever since then, it's been a so it's been such a valuable journey of like soul searching. And now I think it's kind of there. It's there comes a time where I think it's actually it, it, you don't want to lose sight of goal setting and like yeah. what what are we trying to achieve? Because I think you know if you have if if your motivations are like are authentic, like for me, dude, my deepest motivation, if I were to pick one, would be to bring people together. Like that's yeah, my yeah. favorite part about music. Mm -hmm. It can bring people together yeah. and just we're all dancing and having a good time. And and I think that is such a powerful beautiful things so that's like my deepest that's my deepest goal you know and i'm like how well, often do you forget that i mean i think what i what i forget more is because see we remember we're we have we're coming at it from opposite places like yeah, yeah. i forget more to like what am i doing i'm just, <laughs> i'm like having fun <laughs> i'm having so much fun but like i gotta grow up a little yeah, bit yeah, also yeah. and be like responsible yeah. and like move forward through life <laughs> as well but and but i think you can do that without oh you can 100 you, you don't have to stop having no. fun and so i think that's that's kind of why i think this conversation is so cool is because i think it's really like because you know i i do i do think it's the combination that will ultimately yield the best result totally. and like well that'll that's going to be the key to get you to headline glastonbury dude is <laughs> is to like you know if you truly, because I think you look at this case study, what you experienced with Dirty Bird, where you felt like you were being put in a box musically, 
you broke through that box. The only way to do that was ultimately starting your own label because no other label would ever sign these types of cross-genre songs. They've gone on to be some of your biggest records and have like probably changed the game for you. Yeah. And it's like that process is you removing all of your barriers and then just having fun, but also juxtaposing that with like strategy. And so, you know, I mean, I think the degree to which the degree to which fun is possible is crazy because I know you've mentioned to me your interest in like electronica stuff and the chemical brothers. And, you know, it's like the limiting beliefs of what's possible for you as an artist. It's like they can manifest in so many different ways. And for you, I think, you know, just uh, it's it's about the synergy between the eight-year-old child who has the aspirations to, to dream big and your manager, inner manager, you know, you talk about setting tangible, attainable goals. Well, it's like, if you have Glastonbury's at the top, I mean, you don't shoot straight for that. No, but what you have like, to work towards it. Yeah, but it's like each step sequentially could get you there step by step, it, potentially, like who knows? So, but I think... Yeah, man. I mean, but, this but is the, so... the, I think the sorry to button the key is that we both agree on. You have to enjoy the journey up to it because otherwise you're yeah. going to get there and be like, "Well, what's next?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or you're just going to quit because you're going to be like, "This sucks now." Well, there's just can. There's just nowhere to go when 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 you put a roof on what you do. It's there's. It, when there's a ceiling and you've reached the ceiling, there's no place to go. Dude, the thing is, I just feel like there's no ceiling because... You're right, there isn't. And also, I mean, it just depends on what your actual goals are. Because if your goals are to have fun with making music, which I think is... That is my biggest thing. Is like, let's put that at the core and then have everything else work from from that. If your goal becomes like, you know, I want to make like really experimental shit and get my music in a museum yeah, <laughs> or an yeah. art gallery. Yeah. It's like, you know, like the where, the direction you're going can change. And who knows? I mean, like Daft Punk, you know, like I'm sure their shit's in like art galleries and stuff. And R.I.P. You know, R.I.P. Um, <laughs> so who knows? Like, I don't. They'll be back. Whatever. They haven't toured for fucking years. So come on. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I do think. For me, I really do feel it's this issue of like, okay, so it's taken me like 10 years to figure out that like fun is the most important thing. <laughs> it's um, mad that, isn't it? Because <laughs> it all started with fun. Yeah. Always exactly. starts with fun. So I, I, this is a classic saying that I say is that when you start, um, when you start in, before you're in the music industry, it's, 90% fun, 10% bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then when you get in the industry, it completely flips where it's 10% fun and 90% bullshit until you realize why you fucking started it and and what got you there in the first place. And what got you there in the first place was just having fun in the studio. Exactly, dude. Exactly. Um, you know, it's a beautiful thing, dude, like the beginner's mindset. It's mm. it's the most powerful thing. And I think, uh, you know, another thing I like is like the hero's journey. You know, yeah. it's this idea of, you know, you start somewhere, you face challenges and obstacles, you then learn from them, and then you end up back where you started totally. so that the process can happen again. And yeah. I, I just think, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because when you're a kid and you do not have these preconceived notions of what's possible or impossible – 
um, that's when you have the most fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> and heavy. then and then the thing that seemed impossible becomes possible. Yeah. But I think I don't know, man. I, I just yeah. I'm going to continue watching your journey, man, because I, I do feel like I have so much to learn from you in terms yeah, of likewise. how to like manifest crazy shit, dude. <laughs> when I was listening to rumors, I'm like, oh, this motherfucker, he's done it again. He's releasing something that like is just worlds apart from what you'd expect. And it sounds great. And it's just this, oh, I don't know. And, and then I'm like, I've got like a bunch of aliases that no one knows about and some that people do know about. And I'm just like holding off and I'm like, I just should just fucking release it. <laughs> dude, well, here's what I here's what I'd love to do, dude. Like free of charge. <laughs> dude, let's hop, dude, I'd love to hop on another call at some point and um you just hear your music and just talk about shit that you're you're grappling with. Because I think, you know, here's the thing. It's like all of your intuit I'd say like all of your intuition comes from a very well well founded yeah. well tuned position because you have you you do have good like a, a phenomenal strategic mind um and i am like on the opposite side of the spectrum where i'm like do it all release it all <laughs> yeah, and yeah exactly I, think, I would be like yo why can't you do this and my guess is that there would be it would be a conversation where like some things it, if I asked you the questions, you might be like, you know what? Maybe I can release this. And I would be very curious about the things. Strategy, I feel like so much of it at a certain point is what you do not do, yeah. right? <laughs> I guess. And, or maybe how you do it. So I don't know. I think it would be an interesting conversation because I, because we are on such extremes, like we would probably learn a lot each other from each other because yeah, exactly. I would be like, where... Because the 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 success you've achieved is is on a whole other tier than what I'm currently at. Like I'm looking up to you. But I, I disagree with that as know? well. I I disagree with that. I I would I don't. What is success? Well, I mean, I think for, like from a purely like label standpoint, like your label's killing it, dude. Like I'm yeah, but, here trying to take some notes. Yeah, but know? it depends what your your goals are for the label. Your, for you, your goal for the label was to bring people together. And you've done that on a much better level to what I have. I have My label's not a label. I've not signed anyone apart from myself. <laughs> right. So, and, and I think this is the thing is like, and I know you've got to go, but it's like we've, we've, both of our goals are completely different. No, I mean, they're not. Cause it's like, we, you need both sides to it. Cause like, for me, it's like the mission is first and foremost, have fun, whether it's art or the label, it's like yeah. fun first, authentic expression yeah, is yeah. the same thing as having fun. Yeah. Could be like, I need to express my fears, yeah, my yeah, anxieties, totally. yeah. my sadness, my anger, whatever. Let's not judge it. But yeah, yeah. I like to use the word fun <laughs> to capture <laughs> that experience of like expressing yourself. Yeah, That's step one. Step two is pass the baton to my inner manager and help get it out into the world. And I do think like, you know, like I, there are such amazing artists that I've come in touch with that I genuinely want to help them get their music out into the world. Totally. And I think this that's where strategy becomes so important like yeah. how can you get something out there there's so many ways and there's so much room for creativity on that side of things but i just think it is not about saying you know one is good and one is bad 
it's like you need both yeah, and it's you do, more about yeah. how can these things coexist with each yeah. other you know how can you have amazing strategy on a business standpoint without allowing it to interfere with the fun yeah. and you know i just think it's very very possible like but i just don't know enough about what it means to be truly st- strategic on your level and that's that's where you know because, and that's why we have that's why like a conversation that's more deep would we would we would like need to reconcile conflicting points of view because when you are a kid which is the mindset that i've been mm. you know adopting it's like you cannot even comprehend the limitations no. to achieve goals you need to understand the limitations to move forward yeah and and work within them but then sometimes you might think there's a ceiling when there isn't so I, yeah because because going know, back to right? going back to my going back to what like the conversation where with my goals is that the limit for for me the limitation to move forward was dirty bird mm-hmm. and and this is no disrespect to dirty bird or to barkley or anything like i'd say this to their to to him and whatever but that was the limitation i'd reached the limitation i'm never gonna be headlining dirty bird camp out because Barkley is always, no matter, even if I have the biggest record on, on Dirty Bird, right? Look at Sheba. He's had the biggest record on Dirty Bird. Mm-hmm. He's still not headlining Dirty Bird camp out. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I want in my career is I want to be, I want to be at the top. Mm-hmm. And what are the limitations that are holding me back to be at the top? And that was one of them. So I had to change that. You know, and it's just funny because we could have looked at the same sort of issue from the artistic standpoint, you know, and be like, dude, because I went through the exact same journey that yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah. But for with a different mindset. Because yeah. like and and I think it doesn't matter the mindset at a certain point because you just did the damn thing and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like but I but it's like, dude, Dirty Bird would have never signed Hallelujah. You know, no. like and 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 I think you know, it's funny because I think uh, there's times where like, you know, an artist might get pigeonholed as a thing. But if you truly like, I think this is what I would encourage you to think about just like in the back of your head is like, you know, you've, you're releasing on all these hip labels. You have your own thing. I think now you can, you could release on Dirty Bird I and could, it, people yeah. would be like, he's more than that because you are showing yourself. So yeah. it's like, you know. I don't know. That's no, kind of you're tangent. 100% right. And, and that is the thing is that I, I know that I'm at this point where I could, if I really wanted to, but again, it goes back to that. Well, I'd started a label so I can do what the fuck I want. Yeah. If you know totally. what I mean. And, and totally. the same for you. Like I've seen that, I've seen that journey for you. I've seen that journey start, not start a dirty bird, but where our worlds kind of collided together. Um, and then, I, I've seen your journey go from Dirty Bird and kind of go down the more singer-songwriter route and kind of build a community around your fantastic voyage. And I abs- I do love what you're doing, man. And Aww. and it's amazing, like, having having your workshop and releasing all those people's music. It's just it's beautiful, man. It's, it's great to see. And keep that shit up because at, in the grand scheme of things, that's for legacy and... Giving giving back to people is so much more rewarding than anything in life. It is, dude. It is, man. And uh, I, you know, I think it just goes. It goes back to just personal connection. You know, yeah. like 
always the most meaningful shit, dude. It's, it's, it's crazy, you know. And I think that's what's beautiful about a, about a label. Mm. It's like, like uh, honestly, I think the distinction between what I do with these like people who are like students or whatever. Yeah. It honestly just feels like what I, what the aspiration is with my label to like mm. really be there for people and to help guide, help to help people on their journeys wherever they need the help, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, it just goes back, like, obviously, you can tell that I'm fixated on this, but the, uh, you know, I think there's the the journey within and the journey out into the world, you yeah, know, totally. and like, my, you know, I think you need both. Yeah. You do, well, <laughs> I you think, neglect one. You I know? think also you, from what you, from what I can kind of gather with what you're doing with your workshops as well, you're seeing that first art, you're seeing yourself in other people. Absolutely. you're seeing that first thing and like i'm i'm kind of doing some stuff with some people at the moment and i'm seeing that myself in them at the beginning on like oh we need to get this out we need to get this out we need to get blah 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 and it's so beautiful to see because you can sit back and just be like well this is what i did this is what this person did but at the end of the day i love it that you're just it's just fucking you're just having fun I have a really specific question for you. Go for it. How long have you been sitting on the various songs in your label for them to come out? Because I know Hallelujah was like a long time. What about like Run Run? You know, how how much lead up time do you need <laughs> these days? Run Run was made. Run Run was is the newest record that I'm probably going to be releasing all year. Um, Run Run was started in May last year and finished in November, December. Mm-hmm. But the record that's coming out next called uh place i belong that was written two and a half years ago is that the needed needed pains no that needed pains one i wrote in lockdown okay. um uh, but your your next like self-release yeah, single yeah yeah, yeah. i'll send cool. you it i'll send you it, it what you about you compile? oh uh i don't know man i mean it's just there's some shit that I make in an hour and then I send it and then it got, it gets signed really? or something crazy. <laughs> that does not happen often for, to hear back that quickly, but, um, or I'll self-release it. Yeah. Um, but you know, sometimes it takes years <laughs> to get the music right. But I think also, cause I know for you having heard, you sent me the, a, a version of hallelujah from like a long time ago. And I know that there's, there's aspects of it that like you needed to kind of sort for the release. Yeah. Like the, so I don't know. I mean, it's just, dude, I'm just fascinated by your, by the, the decision-making process is really what I'm the most excited to like, if you're down to hop on a call, dude, like whenever and at some point in the future, cause what do you want to you know, know the most? What do you want to know the most? No, there, it, it isn't really anything concrete. It's more so about like, you know, when you get a little bit, you know, strategy, it's like, it always goes down to like, uh, here are the variables at play. Yeah. What are we going to do within the, this context? Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like, like in business school, yeah. I, I've never gone to business school, like, like graduate school, but I, you know, my friends who are in that world and it's like the way they teach it is all like anecdotes. It's all like case studies of like, this is a very hyper specific situation. Here's what the person did. Um, And I think by seeing a bunch of those examples, you kind of can develop your own ideas for your own like frameworks for how to approach a given situation. I think it's just that that's, that's like where 
where, where I think I'm underdeveloped is like needing a couple more guiding principles yeah. to help me with my decision-making process, you know, cause I, and I think it's really to offset my approach of like chaotically releasing music every week, yeah, you yeah. know, um, because I think, you know, it's, it's wild. Like, I feel like it, you never know what song is going to pop off, but never. Never it's just, it's just so incredible to see someone who takes the exact opposite approach yeah. and does it so fucking well, like where, you know, I mean, just like the first two singles alone on your label, yeah. just like, and it's like, <laughs> and I feel like in those two, you put out two songs and in from, as a fan, I'm like, Will is, this is a new chapter of Will. Yeah. Like you have, you have told a new fucking story and a new narrative. And I think that is, that is a powerful component that, that the idea of narrative is the point of intersection between business strategy and artistic mm. expression. Because if you know what your story is and you just want to tell it, um, that's when you are being honest with yourself yeah. and that's when people come to the shows and they know what to expect. Totally. And, yeah. and I think, uh, and that's when the Spotify curators understand what you're yeah. doing and want to support you. That's when the festivals want to buy you. And I think that, that is, that is my goal. Like, I think it's taken me like 10 years to like of chaotic freedom to be like, okay, now the dust is finally beginning yeah, to settle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think, like if we had this conversation three months ago, it would have been useless. Because <laughs> I, I like like it's it's a, it's a continual process for me, um, and it's more about figuring how can I establish this narrative in a way that that will not put me in a box the year after. Yeah. You know, like I and, think, and I think I'm. Fu- mm-hmm. I, I, let me sorry. let me buy, let me buy in there. Sorry to cut you Get off, but <laughs> no, I, I think, ramble. I think what it, it sounds really simple, and it's not. And I, I'd love to help you with it, man. Because for me, it was actually working out what I wanted and then telling the story. Like, phys- like I physically launched a video telling people what I was trying to achieve. Yeah. I, I, did, a intro- I did a launch video of the record label talking about why I'm doing what I'm doing. I, I loved it. I remember it. Yeah. I, I like it stick. It stuck with me about, you know, wanting to be more present and, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> that, and the, that is the whole goal. That's the, that's why the record label is called what the record label is. Yeah. Um, and for me, like, and, and maybe this is kind of this, but it took me so long to work that out. It took me like with before I was with Ryan, my manager, I was in a management company that was fucking awful and just not listening to what I wanted and kind of putting me in place, putting me on shows where I just didn't want to play and doing all of this stuff. But realistically, and I was so unhappy, but it, at the end of the day, it was it was my fault for staying there. It's my fault for allowing allowing but i had i had to do that i had to go through that to get to where i'm at now and it sounds like at this moment in time you have to you've you have to do what you've done to then slowly like to let the dust settle to kind of come out and but the great thing is you fucking enjoyed it yeah i didn't 
Dude, so I'm here for you, dude. Let's get you. <laughs> let's like. But you I know. do now, if you know what I mean. I'm, okay. I, 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 I have. I'm, I'm loving it. If you know what I mean, Good. I am loving Good. it. I, dude, we have. In the grand scheme of things, we have the best fucking lives. Like, I think we do. We do. We are so lucky. But I think having it be the best life on paper and not be enjoyable is a danger. Is something that we all need to acknowledge. That it's like not a guaranteed thing that you're gonna enjoy your yeah. success or, or your privilege of being an artist. Because think about uh, not to get super dark. Oh, I mean, this is very dark, but the amount of artists who like kill themselves, kill themselves, yeah. turn to substances to cope with yeah. the disconnects. You know, like it is. It is very important to acknowledge, like the fragility of like the human psyche (laughs) and human emotions and i I mean i just think it's like it's just yeah it's it's something that like we can talk about from one artist to another that you dude it's like you never really understand until you're in the hot seat and you're like fuck this is this sucks yeah (laughs) bullshit culture you told you promised me that i would love life (laughs) once i got the Bentley. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and, <laughs> and I, you know, yeah, and I think this is the question that I kind of had for you earlier was like, how do you change? How do you go from artist to 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 Justin? That's not Justin J. And because I think there's, I do it a lot where I bring my my artist life, artist work, artist whatever it is work at the end of the day. It's what we do for a living um into my personal life and how does it affect my personal life because it's so in inclined if you know what I mean See, this once again speaks to our differences in approach because you know I think for me the aspiration has been to like move further and further into being as fucking honest and as myself as possible where it's like where the lines get very 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 blurry where it's like like the yeah <laughs> where it's like there is as little bit of distinction between justin jay the artist and justin the guy yeah. like that's my approach daft punk they're not actual robots <laughs> so like you know you could that is like the perfect example of yeah. the opposite and they're probably like my favorite artist so yeah. i don't know man it's it's weird you know I, you don't need to wear a robot mask to have a distinction between work and artists stuff but if you my I would be pushing you to be like, yo, dude, just be yourself and don't think about it like work. Think about it like there's two human beings inside of you, one who is the artist who is a kid and the other who is the manager who is the no, adult so, who helps so I, the child. No, because I, I, I I, this is the thing is I don't, I don't know if I'm kind of putting the question out there enough, like well enough, because it, this isn't about... Okay, let's say, for instance, like the an artist kills themselves right this is somber this is dark but there's a point in that artist's career and it and their personal career they could be extremely successful where on paper everyone looks at them going they're killing it right they're having they're doing the best thing however their personal life or their artist life is affecting one of one of an one of other if you know what I mean. And how do you kind of like how 
how do you not let your personal life because you have a personal life right you have a, a your producer life if you know what i mean does it ever go into does it intercline or is it do you just class it as it's your life yeah i yeah. do the dangerous game of just like allow them to be the same and yeah my personal life is you know it's it's maybe it's a little underdeveloped because of that but i think you know here's the thing it's like it might be an issue of scale like who know like i think the more success you get perhaps the more i could see myself becoming more and more guarded about my personal life potentially i don't know it's just i think that's that's another variable here that makes it more confusing because i am all i know is my perspective in terms of stature yeah but when you the game i feel like consistently evolves the bigger you get mm. in certain ways um and so yeah like i don't know though I, I mean for me there's just there's just no distinction between the person who people see on instagram totally. i try that's yeah. the aspiration for there to be as little bit of a distinction on instagram yeah. versus who i actually am yeah you know but there obviously is you know you can choose to you know put your best self out on social media but is, is that more what you're talking about like how your question where does it manifest like are you talking about what's on social media or paint the picture more tangibly <laughs> no for me is like i i guess it's not if you're if you're down about your career about where you're at in, in your life okay and that doesn't necessarily have to be about your career but does each let's say for instance i don't know split up with a girlfriend a boyfriend whatever situation you're in right relationship does that affect your artist career so you know i think the ideal situation is that that affects my emotions yeah I use my art to express those emotions yeah. and reconcile them and then release the music. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then hopefully it, <laughs> any emotional turbulence helps my artist career, which definitely was the case for some of my songs. Yeah. Not all my songs are happy. Not all my songs are sad either, but I just think that's that's the goal. But I mean, yeah, it's. I think that goes down. You know, when I say have fun, I also mean being able to express yourself. And so I think outside things are weighing upon you. Music is the ultimate vehicle to reconcile the shit that makes no sense in your yeah. life, whether it's like, I can't believe this girl dumped me or like, you know, loss, tragedy mm. of any kind. At a certain point, you just can't make sense of some of the stuff that happens. Totally. And that's where people turn to religion and music you know and i think yeah. as an artist dude it's like when you are expressing yourself authentically it, it's like things might not make sense in your life still yeah, but yeah. you at least feel better see when <laughs> see know? when i'm going through it i can't write music I, I have well to. you can't write you can't write like techno bangers for sure <laughs> no i i just i i I have to be in a mindset to write music like for me and but what I can do is go back to that emotion where 
when I'm in a better headspace, I can be like, okay, so this was the point in my life. And like, and then kind of bring that emotion into the studio when I'm in a bit of a, like more of a positive headspace. Fair enough. Well, you know, I just think this is the importance of not being pigeonholed artistically. This is like the staple of my journey. Yeah. I was going through a really tough time and did not want to make club music at all. And the idea of club music is, was like almost incomprehensible. Mm. Um, you know, and it's like, that's why I did not want to become a singer because yeah. I mean, maybe parts of me were like, Oh, that could be fun. And that could be cool. But when I began doing it, it was because I fucking needed to, I yeah. needed an outlet to, to like yeah. get the dude, I was having like panic attacks, mm. anxiety. It was, I was, I was freaking out to the point where I wasn't sure if I had like, like a neurological thing going. Yeah. And really I was just stressed out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I was like going to doctors, and they're like, "You're fine." <laughs> I'm like, but I'm just so got you right now. You're just in feelings. And, yeah, and they're like, "Dude, bro, like, um, get a life coach." And I did, and that helped. Um, yeah. But but I, you know, I'm making fun of what of a situation that for me at the time it's I was huge. like, I it was it was not yeah. a good time, and it was very dark um, and intense, but musical freedom is so important because it can be there for you. If you are truly free musically, then it doesn't matter what you're experiencing and you can channel it. Um, and dude, you know, that could be like ambient music that could mm. be like, you know, being at the piano or something. I mean, I think, I, I do think there's certain, you know, like being able to play an instrument even poorly is is an is like an important thing for that range of dynamic because yeah. but not necessarily i mean you could do you could make drones on your synthesizers on one note and make like some brian eno shit yeah, that's yeah. like you venting about like l lamentation like that the world is over <laughs> or whatever you know yeah um, man you, you just at the end of the day you just have to do what works for you right and we all have different things that work for us but I think it's also a process of exploration to realize what is the fullest, what are the farthest reaches of your artistic expression and mm. how they can manifest. Because I think that's something that most people do not fully explore. You know, yeah. like, bro, you were not born as a house DJ or a house no, producer at the womb. No, <laughs> you know, you picked up house music, you picked up techno, you picked up other things. You could continue to pick up things. There's yeah, no yeah. reason why you can't. Yeah. And I think, but it just takes a little bit of, work and a little bit of overcoming fear because whenever you try something new you gotta you know it's a little bumpy at first yeah. and that's fine you know but i think that's my biggest and biggest piece of advice is like are you truly exploring the the fullest range of your own artistic output and ability you know yeah. like even if the songs never come out potentially but they could because Dude, that one time when you're in a bad day and making a beatless amp. Have you ever made a song with no drums? Yeah, I'll send you some stuff. You're into this like sound design yeah, cinematics yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff. So that, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. So maybe, you know, I, I, we, we might get specific, but I'd be like, yo, have you ever, here's a question for you. Have you ever say, have you ever like saying a song at the piano or the guitar? No, you ever tried that? No, no, no. Well, fuck, fuck you, dude. <laughs> Why not? Cause I'm shit. Why the at fuck it. not? <laughs> I really, I know. I'd really love to. I'd, I would love to be. I, I was in a studio session in London actually 
just before Christmas. I send you the record that came out of it, and I was like, I really, I'm, I'm moving into that point where I like, I want to do shit like that. Um, do it. I, for me, it's just the process. I have to process it in my head before I do it, and I have to be like, okay, how do I go about doing this? And then I do it. You know, and it's like you don't. You see, here's the thing. It's like how how good at you how how competent were you at Ableton or like producing a logic uh, the very first time you opened your computer? Oh, terrible. And it's like, yeah, you got to, it's like how judgmental were you initially? Like if it's, if you're so judgmental that you quit before you give yourself the chance to get good, that might be an issue. But I think the reality is, uh, I don't know, man. I just think if you can do one thing, if you can get, if you can learn a skill, you can learn another one. Oh, 100%. Singing, Singing is the fucking hardest thing ever, but yeah. um, there's a way to fucking make it work. And you can always just not sing and be and like, you could do spoken word poetry, which you already do yeah. in your house stuff. Like yeah. you already, you know, like you have tons of songs that I assume are your vocals, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So man. you're already a songwriter, my guy, you know, uh, but there, I just man. think where I would push you is be like, fuck, if, if you, if you need forms i because when you say like i'm in such a state that i cannot make music i would be like okay that, that, i'm sure there are situations like that especially if you have no energy if yeah. you are like taking music requires energy but if you are fully there's a point where if you, things get really really bad <laughs> like the energy starts coming back in the form of like uh, stress and anxiety yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like bro make some music to get you back <laughs> in, back in the in the green um and and i would say like dude just explore shit like even if you're because my my biggest guess and i could be totally far off is that you are such a strategic person that you'd be like i don't have what it takes to be good at this and and that strategy might not be it might be like i do not have the time to get good at this thing yeah, yeah. that could be a thing but you know where i would say is like dude get really fucking creative because you can kind of make anything good like you know kanye west you know that one of his songs that i did not like until i heard him perform it live a couple years ago before he was super crazy <laughs> was uh <laughs> that song um what's it called like run away so good you know dude in the fucking piano part amazing dude a three-year-old could have written that piano yeah. part Da, da, yeah. da. <laughs> it's one note so quarter good. note like yeah you know it's such and, a good record that like I li i've listened to that so many times on my way to the gym like mm -hmm. oh dude that record's beautiful i love it yeah man dude well we've just done think, we've just done two and a half hours mate dude it went by went by it's like too it flew fast, by it's um definitely past my bedtime because it's saturday night and we're djs that don't dj anymore and go to bed at like crazier time in the morning what, what what time is it it's 20 to 11 so 10 39 you're such a fucking adult it's ferocious <laughs> bro dude i've actually yeah, been trying to keep up i've been trying the last week i've been trying to stay up later because i'm just like so i'm so weirded out at this moment in time where like i'm just like well, your life has changed so much that right. like in, in such a short space of time. And See, well, I, I feel like this, this, sorry to cut you off. This, this sums up our 
shift in perspective. I'm like approaching things from the inner child. You're like the fucking adult. <laughs> like you have your you. I went to bed at like 5 a.m. last night. Yeah, I <laughs> like, saw that on I saw that on the WhatsApp. I was like last seen at 5 a.m. I was like, damn, dude, he's not gonna be up. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, and I think uh, you know, I need to to grow up a little bit more and and be more responsible. Maybe maybe we just like meet in the middle and we kind exactly. of exactly. And maybe we're the next Daft Punk. Dude, let's do it. Let's, let's, do it. let's finish um, it on that. <laughs> dude, dude bef- I love it. Before we uh, stop, how can people follow you? How can people listen to you, et cetera, et cetera? All the usual. Dude, don't follow me. Just fo- keep on following Will Clark. <laughs> He's got it figured out. Uh, Will Cl- at DJ Will Clark on Instagram. <laughs> at, um, but yeah, dude, Dustin J Music, Instagram. I don't use anything else anymore. But um, Me neither. Well, I want to say, dude, thank you for taking the time to chat allowing me to ramble on about all this crazy shit dude um, you can come i'm and very serious whenever. let's keep in touch and do like a little follow-up call once you've recovered from my <laughs> <laughs> no dude obsession. i i love this conversation i was i was sat on the sofa with my parents watching a film and i watched the rugby early england played rugby and we got destroyed by the welsh and i don't know if you know the the relationship between england and wales but we hate each other when it comes to rugby um sure and uh it was just like, it, I was, before this call, I, was, I completely forgot. I text you, that's when I remembered we were talking. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, fuck it, let's, I can't wait for this. And I got on, and it, it's been a really, really good conversation. I've loved it, man. So thank you so much. Um, Dude, fuck yeah. Keep fuck in yeah. touch. As someone who's, you know, I've seen a fair fair share of your your podcast is like dude i hope i can bring the fire dude. <laughs> no it's been <laughs> you know, good some man. big shoes to fill it's dude patrick topping and shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude um keep safe and hopefully see you in a rave soon man dude much love dude take Big it love. easy and I'll talk to you soon. take care man peace Bye. and that's a wrap wow what an amazing podcast i absolutely love that thank you to justin for coming on it was uh it was great uh if you enjoyed it please hit the comments below or hit the share button or send it to your mates or whatever. Uh, It just keeps the show going. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. Whatever you're doing, keep safe. And I see you next time on the show. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.